When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Welcome everybody to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that wonders exactly who decides to consider the Six Nations champions and World Cup finalists playing at home to be the underdogs in the in these situations. <laughs> Clive Woodward does. Clive Woodward's got a strong underdog vibe. Mm. Well, I don't know if you've heard, but everybody's been saying that France are the best team in the world. Have I mean, they? Only, literally only Eddie Jones has said that after the game. But according to him, they've been saying it, whoever they the are. powerful they. <laughs> I'm so bored of that shit. We'll talk about it later. You know, I mean, England haven't been playing well. We'll come on to that, won't we? But nope. let's not pretend this isn't what it is. This is not fucking the film Rudy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is... This is England are not the Rudy in this scenario, you know? No, they're really not. England are never the Rudy in any scenario. <laughs> sporting, true. sporting, political, geopolitical, any of that stuff. England well, is never Rudy. Point of order: We are the Rudy when we're playing rugby league against Australia because everyone <laughs> is the Rudy when they play against in that situation. Fair point. Fair point. Hello, everybody. I'm Lee, and welcome along. And over there is Josh. Hi. So, did we enjoy the week? We'll get onto the detail, but did you enjoy the rugby at the weekend, Josh? Yeah, it's all right, wasn't it? 
There was enough to keep us up, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'll talk about Sunday later. Maybe that wasn't the same, but uh, we'll. But yeah, it was all right. Like, watch any good telly in between. Um, tell you what, through sheer just running out of stuff, um, me and my wife got quite into watching that Masked Singer program when it was on. Yeah, because it's basically yeah, because it's basically like I thought that was a joke. Well, it is. It is absolutely is a joke. As in like, not a real program. I thought it was like yeah. an, a spoof advert or something. It's a very silly program, but it basically takes your standard Saturday night bland, boring singing competition thing and adds a frisson of uh, Through the Keyhole to it, which... What, as in like... What, hang on. What, do they like go to the people's whole, houses? Well, not sort of. You're, like, they give you all these clues and you're trying to guess who these people are who are uh, sort of under these ridiculous outfits. And it does add a certain element of... Did you get any guesses correct? Uh, on the ITV one, I, yeah, I got Sophie Ellis Baxter instantly because it just sounded like Sophie Ellis Baxter. Her voice is quite unique, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and I think that was the only one I Hang got. Hang on, on the ITV one, what, are there more? There's an American one which has dramatically more famous people on it. Which, <laughs> it's uh, always the same with the Americans, isn't it? <laughs> like we were watching the American one yesterday and one of the people was Buster Rhymes. And it was like, well, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's a bit of a step up from the other bloke from Aha. Such a bigger pool is it? When you used, used to watch American Idol, you were like, they're all infinitely better than just this. <laughs> just the, the people you just kicked out of boot camp yeah. are better than every X Factor winner we've ever had. It's hundred percent true. <laughs> it's when you, you know, it's the same with sport. It's the same with everything else. Oh, you don't know. even start me on boxing. Promising young oh. fighter from Sheffield, he's been making his way to the European ranks. <laughs> he's just come up against Clyde from fucking Cleveland and been battered and absolutely in the fucking <laughs> completely fucking sparkled within two minutes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's how that's the ebb, lowest ebb that we've got to. It's just like, well, what else? Like, I have a passing, yeah. I have a. I started watching that um, Your Honor, the new Brian see, Cranston I'm go, thing. I'm going to watch that, but I need to be in the right frame of mind for that it's, level of serious telly. It's um, it's a bit. Imagine if you took Breaking Bad, yeah, and spliced it with True Detective. Okay, so it's I mean, a kind of like good bloke. Is a good? How bad would a good bloke be to do ostensibly, arguably good things? Mm, moral conundrum. Mm. But then it's overly, ponderously slow and over stylized. Okay, yeah. See, this is kind of like why it's being directed by a Nordic noir type director. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that is absolutely a bit of me, and I'm into it. <laughs> but I have to really be in it. The right frame of mind. I also need quite a bit of mindless stuff to eat my tea with, you know. As as like, as Married at First Sight Australia has testified over new absolutely, series. absolutely, and we've watched Master Chef Australia Junior now, so because that was only thirteen episodes long, so you know, we're on Master Chef now, of course. That's yeah, back on I, the British. Master I can't Chef. watch the can't watch the British one. Cannot watch the British Master Chef. I can't look. A, I can't look at Greg with seven G's, Wallace. Sort of using too much tongue when he's put spoons in his mouth, and he keeps he keeps describing three times in one episode last week. He described salmon as slippery and pink, Ugh. and I properly nearly fucking projectile vomed all over my forty two inch <laughs> telly. And he's it's lost something. all this weight, right? And he and yeah. he's, he obviously get he's he's big on waistcoats at the minute. Yeah, big he's showing on off. Tweed. He's showing off his rig like nobody's business on the internet, and big on tweed jacket. 
Yeah. All of which are too long and have no mm-hmm. shape. And I'm assuming he gets them tailor-made because he's inexplicably popular and fucking loaded. Yeah. So I'm assuming he does that. But For a greengrocer, he's bafflingly uh, successful. Excuse me, Josh. Ingredients expert that you'll find he was pretty, he was, he was used to be described as. <laughs> he's a fucking cop. And then you've got John Tarot next to him. He just looks like an ageing toad. <laughs> Tarot I can live with a bit more because, at le- A, at least Tarot is a chef who... Yeah, was but they're relatively... an inexplicable pairing, aren't they? They are. They make no sense. But then the, the, the hip kiss and a rinlay of the of the TV <laughs> presenting world. <laughs> that is bang on. But then equally, you know, there are a few areas in his life in which John Tarot is not a baffling pairing because you know. Oh, wasn't he he's... with that blonde one who used to be in Casualty? Whenever she was it Casualty. Uh, he is with... Oh, that blonde one that used to be in Casualty. There's some respectful <laughs> description of a woman, isn't it? I'm very sorry, everyone out there. Uh, Lisa Faulkner Thank he's you. with, yes. Very talented, yeah. lovely Lisa Faulkner, yes. Yeah, uh, who, I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, I would oh. not have put to, John To a Tarot. power of 10, she's more yeah. attractive than Tarot, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's just he just enjoys an odd pairing, clearly, but not always on the plate, as he's at pains to remind us. Yes, he is. So yeah, there you go, Master Chef, yeah. everybody, Master yeah. Chef, Master Chef. But what I don't like about Master Chef now mm. is that everyone's dead good from the off because of the Instagram yeah. food world. Everyone's turning up being quite good and shit. Well, I like the, the old day. I remember one bloke turned up in round one about five years ago, and he 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 fried a pork chop and like poured some fucking sweet sweet chili sauce in it and have some boiled spuds. <laughs> I mean, he got kicked out, but he got to that point. What's happened to those people? This is the thing. Like I said, I we were I was watching uh, Junior MasterChef Australia last. Is that week. like the normal MasterChef Australia, but with kids? But do they get heckled yeah. and called a cunt from like the no, balcony? No, they don't. Like the they're, other they're much more nice. They're much nicer in this. But like this, these like kids who are like, you know, eight, nine, ten, eleven years old, and they're putting up stuff that would win the British MasterChef comfortably, hands down. And it's like what. How how are you eight, and you know how to do produce restaurant quality food with restaurant quality presentation? Me, me, I just... and, you, me and you are quite creative people, Josh, aren't we? You yeah. work in a creative industry. We do this. I do a bit of songwriting. Anything visual I try to create is an absolute and total disgrace. So I have like an idea of trying to present a plate of food very nicely, and it always looks. Or it's it's hard to describe how awful it looks. Yeah, there's something about like the presentation of food that is it requires genuine sort of an, a visual eye beyond the sort of just put it on a plate that. But I can't even do one of them smudges, right? Do you know what I mean? When you're trying to smudge oh, yeah, sauce, I try and do that, and it just ends up in two lines. And I'm like, what the fucking hell's happened here? Do you know what I mean? It, and because I'm also lazy, I then won't back up and start again. This is just, I'm going to keep piling on top of this until it's done. And it ends up just looking like a giant pile of food, basically. Basically, yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, Master Chef. So I'm having to watch it. Well, right then. Uh, yeah, should we talk about rugby, though? No. No. Let's talk about people getting in touch with us. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm Lee, of course, and I'm at Blood and Mud on Twitter. I'm Lee at Blood and Mud dot com or, yeah, you uh, at Josh Gardner on Twitter or uh, at rug, uh, Rucked underscore Magged. At uh, it's harder to see, say than rugby uh, shirt watch. Rucked, isn't it? rucked <laughs> underscore Mag. 
on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and the Instagrams. Um, yeah, it's much harder to say. I'm gonna have to, and also because I've been saying rugbyshirtwatch.com for you know five years now. It's just part of the the way that my I, the brain patter. I host the, the like retro football podcast as well, don't I? You do, and indeed. I have to really work hard to not say blood and mud all the time when I'm doing <laughs> intros or or at any point. But like the fucking yeah, pro so, I am, I managed to deal with it. Somehow we get through. Yeah, funny that I can. I know what podcast I'm on. Unlike Eddie Jones, who mm. didn't know what team he was playing at the weekend. That was very very funny, <laughs> and also proof that we are living in his head rent free now. Wales, lovely. <laughs> that shit little country, whatever he called it, is living in his head rent free. Yeah. Uh, we're we're on Acast, we're on Apple Podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We're also on Patreon.com slash Blood and Mud, mm-hmm. as you know. Uh, we're about to next week just remind everybody pull a chunk of the podcast just to just for for the patrons. So the full podcast, if you're a patron, won't change. If you're not a patron, then you'll get a reduced podcast. We make no apologies for this, and that's all I'm going to yeah. say. We're rewarding people yeah. who want to support us. And that's what we're doing. If you do want to come in and support us, you'll be getting a long pod from next week, plus free of ads and all that, plus all the extra content. Also, you will get now admission to our super secret and private Facebook group. Yes. And just to to let you know, if you have attempted to join the super secret Facebook group without answering the super secret membership question, which is posted on our Patreon website, page then you will get declined it is a vip let, area we can't say any literary, it is the virtual alley brew lounge and frankly we can't just let everyone in so it, it is for patrons only and if you want to join you're gonna to have to get the uh, secret answer to the secret question well the question is not very secret but the answer is on and the internet. i don't want to i don't want to you know big it up too much but mm. there's some nice lovely chats going on in there there's it's also beautiful. some fucking hot gnome stroke wicker man action oh, we, oh yes the people who were uh, patrons who joined the facebook group this week got to see uh up close and personal some photos of some of the uh weird shit that i found in my garden josh's gnomery fully revealed week. yeah uh, found some more this weekend, posted that on there, found a weird sun just in amongst the branches of one of the trees. Cable yeah. tied onto it, mind. Fair dues. Fair, fair dues. It, was, it wasn't going anywhere. You get some um, uh, behind-the-scenes dog action. Yep. Yeah. Dog action, not dogging action. Yes, dog. We should be clear. Dog action. Yeah. And also a few videos and a bit of chat. So you got that as well, which is a new thing, and you'll get all the pods from next week. So Yeah, genuinely, I think we've got sort of a hundred and... 90-odd people in that Facebook group now, which feels like a lot, but... Uh, more welcome. More are welcome, more indeed. And, welcome. and also, it feels like a nice little, you know, there's, nice been some good, there's been some good chat, there's been some good discussions about the weekend, there's been some people have found out where to get Blood and Mud merch from again, which we forgot about. Which is, I'm glad they told us. Yeah, because we didn't know where it was, couldn't remember. Um, Yeah. So, 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 so by all means, come join us. And if you want to do that, then you go to bloodandmud.com slash... No, you don't. You go to patreon.com slash bloodandmud mm. and uh, sign up for have a two quid, which is 50p a week. It's not a lot. Um, or you could pay for the whole year at once, and that only costs you 20 quid because you get two months for free. 
Why would you not want yeah. to do it when there's a chance of seeing some hot gnome action? Exactly. And dogs and stuff, honestly. Yeah. Plus all of this. Yeah. Uh, and then you you, know, you can pay you five quid if you love us very much um, and you get your name read out on here. And we have a go at guessing what kind of player you might be. Mm-hmm. We had one coming quite late and I've not got to it. I'm sorry. You'll know who you are because you've done it. We'll get to you next week. We will. Uh, but first of all, we've got Alasdair Carmichael, Josh. What kind of player is Alasdair to you? Uh, New Zealander Alasdair was spotted playing university uh, rugby in Aberdeen in the mid-90s by future Scotland coach Frank Haddon, who snapped him up for the soon-to-be-doomed Caledonia Reds, where he began applying pl- his way as a live-wire fullback in a team that contained such future icons of the game as Tom Smith and Alasdair Dickinson, a fellow Alasdair. A fellow Alasdair, yeah. Yeah. Uh, such was his impressive first few weeks in a Reds jersey. He was called up to the Scotland squad in the autumn of 1998 and was named in the starting team alongside fellow future kilted Kiwi debutants John and Martin Leslie. However, shortly before the team bus was ready to leave for Murrayfield, someone realised that nobody would actually bothered to ask Alistair if he was actually eligible to play for Scotland. They just... <laughs> They just oh, looked the at his name. The 1990s was a wild, exactly. wild place. Yeah. And they just looked at his name and went, oh, come on, come that, on. Guy's, yeah. that guy's got to be Scottish. Uh, like Shane Howard. Got to be Welsh. Indeed. Shane Howard. Come on, carry on. Alistair cheerfully told the SIU suit that his nearest Scottish relative was probably his great-great-grandmother, um, but the family had always felt really Scottish at heart, and so he just considered himself an honorary Scot. Uh, unfortunately, at that point, Scott, then Scotland coach Jim Telfer came in who encouraged him in his inimitable way to think really hard to see if he could pull a more recent Scottish relative out. But uh, blissfully unaware of the nature of rugby union's qualification rules, he said he couldn't. So he was left alone wearing his SRU tracksuit in the hotel while the rest of the team departed for Murrayfield. Derek Lee took his place in the 15 jersey and all records of Alistair's call-up were expunged from the history of the SRU several years later when Granny Gate happened and they were worried about getting some shit themselves. He was released by the Reds six months later when they merged with Glasgow and he was never seen or heard from again. It reminds me of that Who Do You Think You Are with John Hurt when he was convinced he was Irish and the occasion that we haven't found any Irish in your family. He was absolutely fuming. <laughs> imagine that, though, if you sort of established a, a national identity for yourself. And I imagine lots of I mean, Americans we can laugh, but it, must, it would be like massively like, I don't know who I am oh, anymore then because I yeah. thought that's where we came from. When you think about how many like Americans sort of put stock in the I'm Irish thing or whatever. I mm. mean, let's be honest, or whatever, it's always I'm Irish. Um, but they can't all be. Can't, Everyone... Surely not. No. <laughs> the average says some of them can't be. Isn't that, against, isn't the biggest immigrant population in America actually German? But I they don't make guess... a, they don't make you know literally a song and dance about it. So therefore, <laughs> yeah. Well, most of the, like sort of the northern bits of America, I'm thinking about places Wisconsin like, and all Wisconsin that. and yeah. Milwaukee and all that. That's you know full of former. That's why they all have that slightly Germany Germanic Fargoy voice. Yes, yes, a Fargoy voice indeed, or a making a murderer voice if you prefer. Yes, <laughs> that's gone quiet, hasn't it? He yeah. doesn't seem to be innocent anymore, does he? No. It's all gone very quiet. Um, anyway. It's like making a documentary about someone isn't applicable in the I'd, court. Of, I'd like to call this programme Making a Documentary. Uh, yeah, so, um, so uh, thank you very much, Alasdair. And then next up, we've got Daniel Thomas, or Dan Thomas, I suppose. Scrum half Dan. 
Scrum half of the Brazilian variants Old Boys RFC. Lovely. Uh, at six foot seven, he was entirely too tall to play scrum half and spent most of the match looking like a flamingo on a skateboard, but somehow, mm. somehow he made it work. Somehow made it work. Absolutely terrible at box kicking, though, because it is the levers, the pendulums on the legs... It's too much. ...took at least, like, 32 seconds to wind up. Mm. So that was that was a non-starter. But Imagine he did all manage... Downs. He managed to clear... But if he did get it going, he managed to clear it over the charging down people because his leg was 10 foot higher than yeah, everyone who was so. charging it down. Yeah. So there you go, Dan. An entirely two tall scrum half that made it work. Thank you very much, everybody. And I'll get to the person who came in late next week. Thank you very much to that person as well. You know who you are. Mm-hmm. We begin as we always begin, Josh, with a player spotted. And I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Con O'Cleary DMs. Con says, when I was a child. Mm-hmm. I thought like a child. <laughs> when I was a child. <laughs> Gordon Darcy, you're nearly right. Gordon Darcy yeah. came to my primary school to give a talk. He is not a former student of my school, and I don't remember a single thing of what he talked about. In fact, I have no idea why he came. Perhaps to do market research for his new children's book. However, that would have been 12 years too early also. This is like when uh, Dale McIntosh and Lee Jarvis came to my school, despite neither of them having any connection to my school. And me having no real memory of what they said or did, but me getting Lee Jarvis's autograph Ooh. and not really care. Not Imagine really care. how much that that isn't worth now. <laughs> me getting Lee Jarvis's autograph on a uh, Chinese a bright, lid out of the bin. A bright, a bright yellow Umbro rugby league ball that I somehow had. There's, that my there's so many things the... that are happening, clang clashing together here. <laughs> and I didn't care because I didn't. I wasn't a fucking Ponty fan, so I was just like, "All right, well, you can see yeah, but, my yellow yeah, ball." Josh, come on! Because it was a proper valleys team, there for people from the valleys. You had people inexplicably coming to your school, and that would have kindled your love for rugby, created the greatest club game, club team ever, and probably made Wales world champions. That's how yeah. it works, isn't it? In the valleys, that exa- a team. That's, exact, that's exactly how it works. Yeah, I don't know where I got the yellow umbro rugby. I assume it was something that my father bought from the catalogue bargain shop, which people from South Wales may well remember from the 90s. Yeah, so thank you, Con, because... Mm. yeah, I mean, I know that it's, it's a struggle to spot players now. It really is. So I'm expecting quite a few of these ones that sometime 50 years ago, somebody came to my school and I don't know why. And to be honest, beggars can't be choosers, can they? Absolutely, in a not world where you can't spot anyone, it's time to pull. You know, put, get those deep pulls in, guys. You know, I think the only way to do it now go. is if you do a fucking cameo and say you've spotted it on the cameo you've just paid for. <laughs> I wonder what's the cheapest rugby player on cameo. I looked this up. It oh, was, I did, did because I was on cameo the other day because I was trying to for Mother's Day for my mum. She's a my mum has watched my mum watches The Sopranos on a loop. Mm-hmm. That's just what she does. Literally, like Big from fan. start to finish, goes round and round. She chain it. smokes it basically, and uh, so I was trying to see who was on there that was affordable. Um, mm-hmm. And the best one, really, probably that's available is Johnny Sack. <laughs> okay, uh, but uh, I didn't. I didn't do it because it was a bit too late. I need to get some details out of it. But I probably will do it for at some point in the future because Tony Curatola, who plays Johnny Sack, 
actually does it. What I was a bit disappointed about, though, is that he sits there with stuff written in biro in front of him and keeps looking down as he's doing oh, his message. Like, come on, mate. Poor. I mean, you are an actor. Well, Surely you can actor. write the lines, lines and memorise them yeah. before you actually do this. I would have expected, like, somebody like Bobby Bacala to be the, you know, pretty affordable. He's not on there. There's loads of the young shit ones who, like, got beaten up by Tony at some point or, like, oh. a boyfriend of... Oh, she's on it, the daughter. Winter, is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, Meadow. Meadow, Meadow. Yeah, yeah. She's on it. I remember the first time I went to New York, um, we popped into, like, a sort of pizzeria just by Central, a couple of blocks off from Central Park and just sat down. And you know how every... Like shit, like restaurants in New York has photos of famous people who've eaten there, usually signed because you know it's New York, and even famous people want pizza now and again. This restaurant had no other photos except for a photo of Bobby Bacala from The Sopranos, but you know the one where they go hunting and he's wearing the big orange, uh, like Hunter's Day Glow vest. Which is, it was just him. It was a photo of him doing like that. For some reason, that is the photo that they had of him. And it was just signed, whatever the fuck his name was. What's his real name? Bobby Bacala. I don't know. I don't know. I'm don't looking know at who the cheapest people on Cameo is from a rugby <laughs> point of view. <laughs> I wondered if you seem slightly distracted with my incredible anecdote there. I know, yeah, sorry. I, I, it wasn't very. I level with you. Was it was a fucking six and a half out of ten anecdote. I, I don't know, that best. was a complete fucking gold that was tumbling out of your mouth there. <laughs> Steve Sharipia, or Sharipa, is who played Bobby Bacala. Come on, then. You're still the going cheapest, here. You're still who's going. the cheapest rugby player? Well, the cheapest ones, to be honest, are rugby league players. Oh, um, who have, like, that for example, figures, isn't it? Danny Washbrook, who played for Hull, and I think he's retired now. However, no, actually, he's the same. Well, the cheapest rugby union player on Cameo mm-hmm. that I can find right now is DTH van der Merwe. Wow. Guess how much he costs for a message. And he also confirms he'll get it back to you within 24 hours. Uh, oh, 125 quid. You're not far off. Your decimal point's in the wrong place. £11.25. Fuck me, really? Guess how much Hugh Jones is. Uh, and he confirms they get it back to you within 24 hours. 30 quid. £11.25. Oh, my God. All my Scottish friends are going to get some serious... Oh, my God. Rugby players are cheap as fuck. Hugh Jones is cheaper to get a message off. Get this. Hugh Jones is £4.75 quid cheaper than Nick Grigg. Oh, that's gonna hurt. That's gonna hurt. Yeah. Oh my god. Do you know how much Brian Abana will do a fucking message for you for? It, I think it is cheaper than you think. Brian <laughs> Abana will do one for thirty quid. Yeah. Uh, Tim Visser. All the Scottish players are on here. Why are all the Scottish players on here? Thirty. Fifteen quid for Tim Visser. You can pay Max Evans twenty six pound twenty five to send you a Bing Bong message. Wee! Imagine. I'm sorry. Some people. Some people. Are, some people have got a madly inflated sense of their own value, right? So, I mean, obviously James Haskell's too expensive. Let's not even. He's go the there, most right? expensive. Of course he is. Actually, he's not anymore because Shane's just gone on there and he's known. Shane. James Haskell's £111.75 and Shane Williams is £112.50, which is gloriously petty, and I'm here for it. <laughs> imagine how shit... <laughs> I mean, I don't like Haskell, but I imagine it would be more animated than what Shane's going to yeah. be sending you. Oh, definitely. 
So Lewis Moody, World Cup winner, don't forget. Yeah. £37.50. Do you know who else puts himself on there for £37.50? Who? Ollie fucking Phillips. <laughs> Do you know who else is £37.50? Who? Jiffy. <laughs> 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 that seems remarkably undervalued to me. He's really under. I mean, speaking of undervaluing himself, Cobus Reinach's £26.25. You won a World Cup last year, mate. Back yourself. Guess who's 20 quid more expensive than Jonathan, than rugby, two cold legend Jonathan Davis? Hit me. Alan Quinlan. Oof. I mean, he knows his worth. He knows his worth. He just scowls How- at you down the mic, down the video. <laughs> Current sale, back row of Jean-Luc Dupree will do it for 15 notes. Uh, Gertrude Steenkamp will do it for 22.50. I mean, you've got to do 10 video messages to make 100 quid or so <laughs> when you're doing that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've read the fucking, you know, news reports about that bloke off the in-betweeners bringing in six, by being incredibly efficient, bringing in six figures a month on Cameo. But... These people aren't doing that, are they? They're not doing that. If they are, they're doing a lot of work. They're working 18 hours a day. Their agents have blatantly just gone. Like, you should just get on this bit of extra cash. Haven't they? Surely. I mean, I suppose it is only like probably about 20 seconds work if you don't do any. Anyway, sorry, we got completely distracted. (laughs) Everyone the cameo. Yeah. I wonder, I just, I want to know why it is that. Scotland and particularly Glasgow Warrior players are so heavily represented on cameo. Nick Grigg, DTH, and Hugh Jones all on here. Fifteen quid for Nick Grigg. Honestly, you could you'd have to pay me more expensive quid. than Hugh Jones, who scored an international rugby try the weekend, <laughs> the world's premier international competition. Yearly Max competition. Evan, Max Evans is twenty six quid. What the fuck is? Ma- I mean, his life is as we've discussed off air, is just an, an endless tale of inexplicableness. You can chat to Matt for £3.74. A lot of them do that. Is that texting, I'm guessing? I guess so. I mean, Max Evans's bio makes me feel a bit sick. <laughs> Let me, his is bio it? is, it says, Scottish rugby player, 24-hour delivery available, which makes him sound like a gigolo. And then... His bio makes him sound even more like a gigolo because it is, tell me what you need. I am at your service. If I can make you feel less alone, even better. Smiley face. Max Evans definitely gets his cock out on camera. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (sighs) Right. Thank you very much, Con, for triggering that little fucking alleyway. Um, And thank you very much to Gordon Darcy for coming to your house at your house. Maybe they come to your house, to your school, for reasons you can't remember. Quite. Please send more in. I'm I'm really tempted to pay for a cameo for somebody and and do it on air. (laughs) Um, So, we've got a bit of correspondence, Josh, before we move Oh, hello. Uh, Do you remember a couple of weeks ago we were moaning like fuck? I mean, obviously. Specifically. I'm going to assume, yes. Specifically about recipe websites that have 
some awful get banging on about the context in which they made said recipe. 100%. Before you yes. get to the recipe. And the context, unfortunately, is never them setting their face on fire on the gas or anything. Because that's, no, what you, that's, just rude, if that's what I want to happen to all of them. Absolutely. Um, however, Ross Williams messages on the Patreon service, because he's a lovely patron, to let us know that there's a Chrome extension called, and everyone should know this, there's a Chrome extension called Recipe Filter. Okay. That you can install that cuts out all the rambling about going on a fucking picnic in the Dordogne or whatever it is they fucking bang on about <laughs> and get straight to the this is how you make waffles, which is all we That's all, all I fucking want. That is all I fucking want. You know the most irritating thing about doing recipes on websites now? Hit me. Is that you because of the power saving settings on your phone, you have to keep trying to unlock your phone when you're covered, oh, in, my God. When you're covered in flour and oil and sugar I was and trying shit. To, I was trying to make something... <laughs> I was trying to make something on Friday, and it was quite involved because it was like, and now you know, it was one step, but that one step was putting four or five teaspoons worth of different things in at exactly the same time, and then cooking for ninety seconds. Oh, and I was trying to do all that all while, the pressure, man. But while trying to get back to my phone and find, is this a teaspoon or a tablespoon? I need to be very, and it kept going off. <laughs> Fucking. This is why I won't do baking oof. too often. Because if you're making something savoury, if you put too much, it don't fucking matter. But if you're baking, it's science, isn't it? You're fucked. Yeah, it's all gone horribly wrong. Uh, Right then, should we do the news? Uh, We should, yes. Now, news, the head protocol has been reissued. Yes. Weirdly, they put the the new, uh, whatchamacallums, the new, because we we will all be aware of the the framework, we talk about it enough on here, let's face it, Yes, that they released in 2019 regarding uh, high tackles, which made it pretty clear what you did in the case of certain things. And now World Rugby have released a new thing called the uh, the head contact process, which is, I'm not sure if it replaces the framework because it is specifically regarding head contact, whereas the, that was... I went to a meeting the other day when somebody described a flowchart all the way through it as an algorithm. Uh, and I don't think that's right, but I'm worried that it's that I'm wrong, but I don't think it's right. <laughs> they've not done that World Rugby, thankfully. That would be too much, but yeah. No. So they've released a new uh, head contact process, which actually I had a conversation um, with uh, a chap called Domin- uh, Dominic Rumbles, which is nice. a good name. Good name. Uh, who's the head of comms for uh, and, and World Rugby? A WWE wrestler. Indeed, he should be. He's actually the head of comms for World Rugby, uh, and he, <laughs> um, yeah, he he uh, slid into my mentions while I posted about these two things and said that this head contact process, even though it was only actually released to the public this week, um, has actually been in use since the start of the tournament. Uh, from the Six Nations, so they released mm. this, this just before. Uh, Josh says, to, uh, he says to me, rather, I'm looking at my own fucking um, <laughs> things. We had a little disagreement. He said, uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, it was soft launched before the Six Nations and another elite, uh, elite competitions, but they only made it public last week. So basically, he's saying that for the last month or so, referees have been using this uh, new flowchart for, which, which does might, explain something. It explains it? some stuff. Explain, and I think that's. There's no point in us kind of going through the whole thing. Basically, this is three steps. It's like 
Has a head contact occurred? Yes, no. If no, play on, obviously. If yes, it takes you to your second question. Is there foul play? Referees will look at an act of foul play, taking into consideration if the incident was intentional, reckless, and or avoidable. Now, the difference here now is that if there's no foul play occurred, even if there's been head contact, the new rules say play on. See, I I don't have a massive problem with that because if it's a genuine accident and no recklessness, then that's fair enough. But you've surely got to stop playing and go, is he all right? Which I'm assuming they will do. Just that nobody nobody gets a card, you know. The difference is that before, kind of, it wasn't. It wasn't really like now. It's saying, "Is it intentional, reckless, and/or avoidable?" It does cover a lot, but it that also puts, a, a lot, but it puts a lot. It also puts a lot of onus on referees now deciding whether something. It, it basically these things. We knew this was coming, didn't we? Yes, I've had somebody close to it telling me that there's been some rumblings about yes. this. And now this looks like the actual manifestation of it. Yeah. What's the third stage though? The third stage then. So if you if the referee has determined that it is rec- it was reckless, intentional, or avoidable, uh, then it goes into degree of danger. Um, whether it was direct or indirect, if it was implied with a high or low level of force, which is what we've got uh, previously, isn't it? Similar. Yeah. So low, de- low. Now previously, any head contact at all. Um would have been a yellow card at a minimum, right? Whereas now, low degree of danger is just a penalty. Um, And then you've got medium yellow, high red. And then you've also got uh, mitigating factors, which can apply to reduce the sanctions. Sanctions can only be reduced to the level immediately below, i.e. red cards, yellow card, yellow cards, penalty kick. Um. Considerations include line of sight, sudden and significant drop or movement, clear attempt to change height, level of control, and upright and passive versus dynamic. Now, this is interesting because of the Dan Bigger incident mm. on Saturday, where was the well, first he time of, he, was he mentioned, passive, he mentioned he? passive tackling, and that was the yeah. first time that I heard I'd heard mention of passive. So, passive tackling is basically if somebody's running over, it's ba- if you're basically getting fucking steamrolled by somebody, even if you're high. It's passive. <clears throat> Even if you're high, you're not sort of and sticking you go the backwards. Fucking... Yeah. yeah, and somehow you make contact with their head when somebody's running through you. That's not really Which your is, fault. And if somebody drops the shoulder into you uh, yeah. with the ball, or the drone, you know, running with the ball and stuff, I suppose I can yeah. see that. All of the basically, I think this process is perfect. Like the new thing is perfectly sensible, and there's a lot of common sense stuff in here, and I would absolutely be totally fine with this becoming the new head contact thing if we'd had about another year or two of the old thing. Mm. I think um, one thing it does do is it specifically addresses Rook, which the other one didn't, because actually a vast number of red cards and yellow cards and sanctions for head contacts were... Like in, I think something like nearly ninety percent of them were in tackles up to this point. Yeah, and you will notice that has been a little, as as you will well know, a little bit more in the rock now. Yeah, there's still question marks about that, but it very specifically refers to rock, and in the explanations gives examples of the type of things in rocks that need to be stamped out. So I think that is good. That is an actual. That is a definite positive move from the yes, last. Yes, I thing. agree. I think you're quite right in saying. Uh, my issue with this is that it it brings a lot more. Um, 
it brings a lot it puts a lot more onus on refs determining things like intent yeah they're they're leaning very heavily on the mitigation thing aren't they and i said a lot of people have been saying you have to be fair to play and it's it is it is it's really it's about joe schmidt i think saying it's not very fair to play as this and they're being sent off for reasons that are really a bit out of their control that's where I fundamentally... And they're saying to refs, and you can take that interpretation more easily now. And I am and I I don't think the first bit is true. I think most of what's happening is completely within the player's control. Yeah. It's just and this then, is why I said... Yeah, cool. I think in, in a year's time, I wouldn't have a problem with this being the new head process because I think enough players will have got themselves sent off by that point by being <laughs> reckless and stupid that coaches would have had no choice but to... Coach differently. Yeah. Coach differently and to change player behaviour. Whereas what we've got now is, you know, it's almost like we're getting into, you know how like tip tackles are known when like a couple of years after the Sam yeah. Warburton incident, all of a sudden we had this thing where if a player lands on their shoulders, it's just a yellow card and you basically have to drop them on their head now to get a red. But it is noticeable now how shocking somebody being spun beyond the ninety degrees. Yeah, hundred percent. Because people are, the, oh my god, what are you because, doing? You know, yeah. so because the paradigm because they had two, shifted, yeah. didn't they? They had two years of being red hot on it. Players learned to tackle differently, and then they could reduce the severity of the sanction because the player, the behaviour had already changed. And so, you know, we had a we had an incident a couple of weeks ago with. Uh, Bristol player, I can't even mm. remember which one it was, doing a good old-fashioned tip tackle. And it absolutely should have been a red card but they because he got dropped on his neck. But because it's been so long since we saw one of those, I think it took the referee by surprise. And <laughs> It was like finding anabolic steroids in a dope test. Like, yeah, it's like, I, didn't really, I didn't know you could still get them. <laughs> You've got Cuban heels as well. I was going to say, you got some quaaludes as well. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, and so that's kind of my problem is here that they've kind of brought this in, in the midst of the it still being a massive fuck off problem, mm. and I just think this is going to allow players to not, you know, some players will still get unlucky, but an awful lot of reckless tackles will not get punished because of these to the severity that they should do, and it will not. Even if player behaviour does slowly start to change, this will slow the speed of that change down quite dramatically, I think, because it's it's not going to... The disincentive is not nearly as bad as it used to be. Yeah, so I think win some, lose some, I suppose. It's good that Rook's been clarified. It's not so good that I do think it's... And it explains Carl Dixon's chitter-chat in the last month a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, In it a does. TMO box. Yeah, we knew there was something going on there. Mitigation chat. Your WRU mates has tipped their hand slightly there. I was like saying, yeah, we've been doing this for a... And that, okay, so that's what will happen then, is it? You'll have a TMO saying, are you absolutely sure all the time? Yeah, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? sure well, no. if that's what you think. Very brave decision, that ref. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so that's the head... Have a look at it. the new head, head process. Let us know what you think about Indeed. it. You can do it in the Facebook group now. Mm. Have a good old chat in there. Um, right then, so other news... Injuries, yeah, fresh, hot from the oven. Injuries. <laughs> uh, James Ryan and Gary Ringrose, who were not long injured, who were fresh, hot out of the oven from being injured, have now yeah. gone back into the injury oven. I promise I will stop this oven-related chit chat. No, carry on, please. 
you know. So James Ryan and Gary Ringrose are out of the game against England. Scott yep. Cummings, who uh, yelped while having his finger put back in on Saturday, on Sunday. Understandably. Understandably, needs, yeah. a bit of, needs a few of days out. So we won't be playing either next weekend. So that's the kind of injury news. They're two pretty big losses for Ireland, aren't they? But we'll discuss that later when we talk yeah, about predictions. Yeah, massive. Uh, big, they've been such big performers for Ireland, you know, even in a not vintage season for them. I'm not sure Ringrose is getting the most... Well, what's this way? I don't think the way Ireland are playing is getting the most out of Ringrose. Let's put it that I way. I agree. And yet I still think he's been showing up as their best back. And he, I, ironically, look, even though he looks a much lesser player because of what they're doing. Mm. But anyway... More on that later. Other news, Bongi Umbanambi could be a Quinn soon, signing from the Stormers, according to all reports. Yes, Scott Baldwin's off to Worcester. Um, That's not um, a bad trade, is it? I like Scott Baldwin. I like Scott Baldwin, yeah. Apparently, Quinn's were dead keen on keeping Scott Baldwin as well, but he wanted to go to Worcester, so... uh, Nearer to home, Yeah, they've gone... Straight down the M5. Exactly. And he's just gone, well, that's fine. We'll just, Quinn's gone, we'll, we'll just sign a fucking Springbok then, shall we? Any more news, Josh? Uh, apparently, Sky Sports are going to get the pro, what will be 16 next season, uh, which is good news for any of us who have had to deal with Premier Sports at any See, point in the last three years. See, that's a bit of a head years. protocol swings and roundabouts thing, though, isn't it? Because, <laughs> yes, Premier Sports was fucking appalling, but you could, well... In theory, see every game every weekend. Yes. You? You're effectively buying a fucking game pass for your club, weren't you? Yeah, and that was really good. And I hope that, you know, I've got Sky Sports. There's fuck all on there. <laughs> they could quite easily show every Pro 14 or Pro 16 game live next season. They could just have... create a rugby union channel. Well, that was the, apparently that was the plan. And that was all on be... action and arena, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah, that's. Apparently that was what Sky hoped to do, but BT, basically, from what I understand it, CVC wanted Sky to get the, to have the Premiership and European Rugby, and Sky wanted to create a bespoke rugby channel that would have Pro Fourteen Super League, uh, Tri Nations Super Rugby, and the Premiership and the Pro Fourteen, and it mm. sounded like a hell of an offering because it would be basically all of the rugby in one place. Um, then the Premiership decided that they wanted silly money, and Sky went, you know what, we're all right with this rugby channel thing, then we're not interested. Yeah. And then the, <laughs> and then COVID happened, and the Premiership went, oh, no, 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 we were only kidding. We did actually <laughs> want to go. And Sky were like, no, we've made other plans now, get fucked. And so they had to go back and take less money off BT than they were originally offered by Sky, I believe, to leave. So uh, that's a lot of hot insider information you got there, Josh. This is just stuff that I've heard on the. I've been reading on. The, it might all be absolute bollocks, but these are the rumours that I've heard flying bollocks around. Bollocks on the internet. I won't believe you. Surely not. Uh, yeah, so I mean, as somebody who already subscribes to Sky, it will save me some money it every will month. Save me a t- it'll save me a tenner, and it means I never have to deal with Premier Sports again. Both big wins for me. I appreciate if you don't subscribe to Sky, watching the Pro 16 just got a hell of a lot more fucking expensive. And at least somebody can, can put Jiffy's mind at rest because Sky have a lot of subscribers. Yeah, Sky's got a lot of subscribers. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, Sky did actually do a really good job with the Pro 14 when they had it for that couple of seasons before it went, when it was everywhere, and then it just went to Premier. 
So yeah, we'll see. It is going to be a lot more Stuart Barnes in all of our lives, though. Yeah, that's true. Invariably, and Quinnell. Oh, <laughs> so much more Scott Quinnell. Any more news? Uh, no, it's quite quite quiet on the news. It front. was, yeah. No, Normally, you get a lot quiet. tipping out on a Monday, don't you? Yeah. Any more? No, we said we won't talk about Lions Tour. Other than to say that somebody there was a spurious hoax of a fixture list that came out this week for the Lions. Yes, that that seemed to have four tests against the Springboks. Yeah, and which... then and, and a test against Japan. Yeah, Springboks play in Japan as well, and also a game it. against a game against the French Barbarians. And the Japanese RFU it. came out and went, "No, that's not happening." We've not agreed that at all. So <laughs> it's a shame because as a fixturist, it looked banging. It did, <laughs> and you never know. They might have just, you know, people do all kinds of marketing in all kinds of ways these days, don't they? I mean, so. who's to say that the people in charge of the Lions didn't just put that in a presentation without necessarily having the uh, everything nailed down? Look, they should do. I wouldn't put it against them. So that's the news. Thank you, everybody. This year, Leaving Certificate students have new choices via the CAO. Whether you're going straight into the world of work or exploring routes to third level, further education and training and apprenticeships offer you flexible, hands-on learning opportunities. The future is full of possibilities. Whatever your ambition, further education and training and apprenticeships can help take you there. Your future is what you make it. Learn more at cao.ie forward slash options. This is an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service or any company is legit. And remember... Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security, and together this Christmas we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We will now talk about what happened at the weekend, Josh, and I don't mean about you finding more terrifying wicker man nomery in your garden. No, there was some rugby. Apparently. There was some rugby on the sit. The world's oldest championship was being played. It was. Uh, shall we go in? Let's get it out. Let's get Wales out of the way. For we like to go in chronological order. Damn this! Putting the highest profile stuff on at the top. We fucking nah. make you wait because that's the way we roll. So, Hell yeah! Italy versus Wales. <laughs> Anything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was pleased with how. Uh, efficient and sort of professional Wales were in the first half by just win, getting the game won, scoring all the tries, and then. And after sixty just... minutes, it was forget it. Um, I mean, when you've got your opposition as a Welsh person, when you've got your opposition coach in Franco Smith effectively rage crying into his hands after fourteen <laughs> minutes, which is what he was doing. <laughs> Um, then, then you, you know, if you start to basically overplay it a bit at sixty minutes and not be quite as good, I, th- I think that's fine. Yeah, I mean, they they'd had the game. The game was over after thirty minutes. You know, bonus point was sealed. After that, they just got a little bit loose and a bit silly. And also, 
there was a bit of a, and it's not the first time we've seen it with Italy this season. There was a bit of a fucking refs acting as if they want to keep the score down. <laughs> like you're playing against children. Things. Yeah, it's not a fucking school rugby tournament, lads. This is the Six Nations. It's not a mercy rule like college football. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Like Italy should have had way more men sent to the bin for their uh, unbelievably bad discipline. Um, what was that point when Wayne Barnes went? Look, if this happens again, one of you's going. And literally, about, about two minutes later, it happened yeah. again. And he just went, right, penalty. So, whoa, whoa, hang on a minute, yeah. And the Josh Adams no try. I mean, that was a try in a, you know, I was just like doing him a favour. Like, there's no way that the ball didn't. He didn't like it touched the ground to me from the angles they were the looking front at. Of the, the front of the ball didn't touch it, but the back of the ball clearly touched the ground. But they decided to ignore the fact that the back of the ball was there. And. Let's be honest, let's not forget the Ian Henderson no-try catastrophe from a couple of weeks ago. Refs are giving Italy a break yes. <laughs> when they can. And it's just, it's not a ref's job to make a scoreline look respectable. It's Italy's job to make a scoreline <laughs> look respectable. So stop it. It was an utterly workmanlike tonking, basically, yeah. from uh, start to finish. Uh, I mean, by the end, by like minute 65, when Callum Sheedy was attempt- attempting all this like ponderous run around tiki-taka and... Yeah, Even Brett just, read it and fucking killed him, basically, as he was on his way around to get the ball. Yeah, um, they were trying to see how silly a move they could get away with by about 60 minutes. Yeah. And Italy are not that stupid, but it was fine. But Italy then tried Job to do done. something similar themselves. There was that, like, flabby mispass by uh, Canna that, <laughs> that was jumped that was on. Awful. I love the fact that he... And that was not just that. The best, the great thing about that was that, obviously... Reese Samit took that. He jumped up in the air and took it and came back down was at a standing start and had a good second to sort of look around and then started running. Yeah. And they, then still somehow found himself in his own postcode by the time he got oh, to the Oh, the line. Italian team were not interested in the fool's errand of trying to catch him. And they, just, they decided that before he started <laughs> running. Yeah, as soon as he got the ball, the Italians were like... It just, but, we were, we've been talking about how bad their cover defence is. When you add Louis Rees Summit and an eighty metre running into the equation, yeah. not a single member of that backline fancied that. As soon as his first, as soon as his first leg to start the run went up onto with the ball of his foot, they were calling the water on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone suddenly got cramp. <laughs> yeah. So it was. Um, funny enough, we talk about the head contact thing. The Riccioni um, leading with the elbow massively should have been a red. Yeah. Massively should have been a red. Yeah, and the one in the first half that he said, oh, his arm was was tucked, so it wasn't a penalty. And the one, then the next uh, one, was it on the Richie? On Navi- his, yeah. On the VD. Oh, that was a Negri, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was blatantly a yellow card. That's a, Any other game when Italy haven't already conceded a bonus point and Wayne Barnes <laughs> is feeling sorry for them, that's a yellow card. That Richie only one, though. I mean, it was literally said, "Oh no, it was on the shoulder first. But literally, it was it was about it's an like inch his below elbow, his, his, his windpipe. His elbow, his elbow was in his windpipe. Yeah, and st- and even was... did start an inch before it. That's not really the shoulder, is it? Do you know what I mean? No. It's like that. We, it's like, where does the, the shoulder? We're laughing, but the refs aren't helping and saying you should be discouraging that yeah. kind of stuff. Because there really is no need to carry like that. No, that's not like the... taking contact and bumping somebody off. That is, yeah, entirely. That is, and I know because I've done leading. it. Yeah, you're literally leading with the elbow. It's not allowed. It's never been allowed. And now of all times, is it should not be 
you know, and again, it was a call that if that game had been tight, or if it had been in the, you know, if it had been to another team and not Italy, that would have been a red card. But there was yeah, a, a sense that it? it was just like, oh, it I don't want to pile it on. Yeah. I don't, don't want to pile it on them. But no, fucking send them off. Make it, you know, make it. This is how we change behavior is making an example of people. And, you know, the same can be said for that, you know, damn bigger clear out that was definitely a penalty, probably a yellow yes. card. It was unnecessary. And Dan, yeah. it wasn't quite as. It, that did hit the shoulder, but it was completely unnecessary and not yeah. something we should be encouraging. Yeah, those sort of clearouts need to not be, you know, it doesn't really matter if they are technically legal. I don't like that. That sort of clearout is dangerous and unnecessary, and we need to stamp it out of the game. Um, but I suppose from a Wales point of view, didn't have to get out of third gear. Game no, was well won. Didn't have to get out of second gear. God, some, it was really easy. Some nice balance comes off the bench. There's a decent squad there, I think. Navidi yeah. was fucking excellent again. Nice back row balance. I think it's. Um, yeah, the only thing that sort of I think is quite a shame is that we still don't know who should be playing twelve. Because John Davis, despite the piss poor opposition, was just not very good again. He set he set North up for that try, didn't he? The, he did. He just, well, he just straightened his run and offloaded it against a defence yeah. that were basically thinking about Shit. watching MasterChef <laughs> afterwards yeah, or something. Exactly. Um, other than that. He did very little in a game where it should have been quite easy, and he looks really uncomfortable playing twelve after, and understandably after a decade of playing in international thirteen mm. at a very high level. Um, yeah, that's the only I would have liked to have seen Halaholo. You know, just get him on at half time, fucking let him have forty minutes under his belt to show what he's actually capable of. But uh, he's a very instead, nice player, isn't he? We've always known very- that. But yeah. it's, I think it's nice when you see somebody come to this level and still look as comfortable and accomplished as they do. Elsewhere. It's not a given, you know. No, it isn't. We, no, we no. will talk about that later. But you know, players that look brilliant at club level, you know, John <laughs> Johnny McNichol's a textbook example of that. You know, Johnny McNichol looks absolutely brilliant at Pro 14 European Cup level, but you put him in an international jersey and it just doesn't quite work. Because he's not quite quick enough, and unfortunately, he's consigned to the Yorso Club barrel for the rest he of is. his career. He's an unbelievable club player. He's a Regan King level club player. <laughs> oh, now but... he is the fucking archdeacon of the pantheon of Yorso <laughs> Club, Regan King. He is. Oh, what a player, though. Yes, but only at club level. <laughs> um, now then. So that's Italy, Wales. Italy, do you yeah. talk about Italy? I mean, they're fucking awful. Bless them, aren't they? Really? This I is... don't know how they can look. I don't know how I can feel so kind of optimistic about them, and yet they keep being... Why is it that I keep watching them and I don't go, yeah, actually, they're just totally shit? When actually, I still don't feel that, like that's the case. It's really well, odd. Because it's that it's that Garbisi-Varney axis... Yeah. You just look at it and you just think there is something there. And I love you. Garbisi was fucking toilet. <laughs> he was like, he, that was the worst game he's played as a, a, a international level by far because he did absolutely, even other games, he's had moments where he's like, even when they've been getting tonked, he's had moments. Yeah. But, you know, 
He tried to fucking do his little dummy and go thing on Ken Owens and Thomas Francis, and he ended up about six feet behind the line, getting his fucking head driven into the turf. And every time uh, Negri carries the ball, you're like, "Oh god, he's carrying well." You yeah, know, you think, "Well, how is it still so bad?" <laughs> they are a team that looks that is somehow worse than the sum of their parts. <laughs> yeah. There's players all over the park. Like Monte Iwane looks like a really good player. Yeah. And looks like he could be a proper. And then they kept playing him like inside, like centre, and let so that like Mayer could have a run on the wing. Who I like a lot actually. <laughs> but I still don't want him running in the on no, the wing. No, you want you are fucking... getting the ball on the yeah. wing, don't you really? But... And it, yeah, there's just something's fucking really confusing about Italy. And I, I'm with you. I'm right there with you. I think that they are better than what they've shown. Every result says they should have been written off as a total yeah. and utter disgrace, shouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, they are young. In, in key it's positions and all that. And I can't quite work out why it's going so bad. Like you said, you look at each one of them, you think, well, he carries well. He scrummages all right. He's an able player. And you just keep coming back to the fact that do they just need to get rid of that coach who rage cries into his fists after 12 minutes? Well, is they, that what it is? I think they need a defence coach. If Italy could defend properly... There's an effort issue. Be... And we've said this, haven't we? Well, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's there's something about a... There's a flaw in a team's character when they don't work hard when they're when they're scrambling and they just don't work hard enough. Yeah, and that that, wor- that would worry me for all the talent. That worries me about whether they are just going to still be the same shit Italy that they have been for the last fifteen years. Well, we'll find out next we weekend. Uh, so, uh, next up was England versus France. Yeah, good game. Enjoyed it. What the first half, man? I was covering it Absolutely. for the Guardian. I was like, "Oh my god, can we have like a really bad injury for like ten minutes so I could just..." Which is a terrible thing to think, but no, I didn't really think that. But yeah, it was a wonderful game to yeah. cover because there was just so much to say. Yeah, but, um, absolutely stunking first half, fairly pedestrian second half. Still not bad though. Enough still going on to keep it interesting yeah. and a bit of a Some grandstand called, finish. You know, people have called it a match for the ages. They're very wrong. The first half game. If the first if, half, if the, if the second half, half had been ages, like that, you'd yeah. be talking South African news. Oh, it would have been 20. absolutely up there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What year was that? 2016, 2017? Something like that, yeah. Great game, that. Oh, but, what a game yeah, that, was. that first half was up there. It was fucking... Everybody throwing everything at everyone. It was great fun. Yes, and I, obviously France score early. And that's when mm. I thought, oh, we're in trouble now because this is going to be, he's gonna, they're going to give seven penalties away in the next 10 minutes and this will <laughs> be like 19-0 before we've even got to half an hour. And actually, and to be fair, England, they well, were... Three it, penalties in that first half, wasn't it? Yeah, and they built... I mean, the penalty count was still bad come the end, but I think yeah. it's about the context of them. The context was better. They gave penalties away when they were completely under the pump in their own 22, which every team does, and I can live with that. Um, there was less of the let, letting teams out of the, the the opposition's own twenty-two through stupidity or overcommitting in reasons for reasons that you don't need to. There was, there was less bit, of that. There was a, still enough of it that I think it was a problem, though. It was like they didn't have that ten-minute spell of just like game losing, brainless stupidity like they did last week. But that should not be the bar for the most sort of. No, expensively assembled, highly paid team well, and coaching staff in the world. Like they get, they didn't give away so many penalties in the last ten, so they didn't lose the game. But like they still gave away nine in the second half and four in the last twenty. Which is whether we great. like it or not, or whether it should be this case or not, this is where England are. And I suppose yeah. I just all I can look at it and think: Did they build on what they did well 
against Wales? And did they get the stuff they got, they were shit at better? And I think the answer to those questions is yes. Yeah. So f- and they won the game, of course. That's the so, thing, yeah. But, I mean, the attack look better. The carrying was infinitely better across the piece. The patterns, the one, you know, the, the, the attacking patterns were better. And that was even with a fullback, he was having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. You know, um, so I actually think, did they, did, they, did they, I think they probably deserve to win the game narrowly on balance. They did. I think France were not, you know, France blew it. And we'll come on to that. I think England, in many ways, could have made it more of a comprehensive win than it was because they, they still gave away like five penalties on attack. Yeah. yeah. Um, in in the last in the second half, and that's you know that's five op- try scoring opportunities that they pissed away there. You know, one way or another, you know, it's it's the stuff that caused England problems against Wales and Scotland, but they France just failed to capitalise on it. You know, and partly like France had their chances in the first half. I mean, England kind of might. We must be wishing that Andrew Brace can ref him every week because, I mean, obviously he absolutely shat the bed against with the uh, final England try against France in that Autumn Nations Cup game where <laughs> France fielded their children. And then there was those two moments in this game that no, nobody really, like no, none of the comms really talked about during the game. But like that, the um, one where Jalivert nearly touched it down off Dupont's kick through, yeah, where he should have just. When he bounced when, off his knee and went down. Yeah, when Henry when Henry Slade slides over to cover, he doesn't ground the ball. It effectively looks like he slaps the ball in, over the in goal line, which is a delib- in in the in goal area is a deliberate knock on. That should be a penalty to France and a yellow card. And it was just like, mm, okay, carry on. Mm. Fight. And I do like, think there is something about when he gets near the dead ball line. People seem to, I don't know, just seem to think, like, oh, he's yeah, dead now. Yeah, you okay, can't just on. you can't just slap the ball out of play yeah. as a defender. That's against the rules, and literally nobody in the commentary box or on the field seemed to care, let alone the referee. And then also, it's a very like, I'm not going to care about you know fucking holding on penalties, but that penalty that he gave to Tom Curry on the England line at the end of the first half, where France. Definitely, we're going to score a try. That was like if that should be on a like a world rugby fucking thing for a player not releasing and then competing for the ball because yeah. there was at no point did he in any way release the tackler, and yet, yeah, and that certain France try became England going in two points behind and instantly. That's a huge, huge moment in that game. If England go in nine points down, they don't win that game, in my opinion. And then the try at the end, there was... I mean, I've seen these not given. Oh, it's so. a try. It's a try. No, I don't I mean think. that. I mean the bit before when Will Stewart gets tackled. Oh, he, he does, yeah, yeah, he does yeah. a bit what of a that? kind of three-foot shuffle on the ground. Quite clearly does the Yeah, I was thing. really surprised that wasn't done. For and again, crawling. nobody really... Again, I think it's the fact the comms didn't really pick it up. But then again, you do see a bit of that. And it's not that much of a howler. But it's... it's I suppose it's, when you've worked hard enough and it's going for you... It just goes for you, doesn't it, some way? thing is, yeah, I think that if England were building at that point and a score was coming... And they would, and, it, 
they spent the last 20 minutes of the second half or a big chunk of the, sorry a big chunk of the first half and most of the second half bullying France really yeah physically they, Not really... Just, they were they, they were they were too muscular for France and they were getting the ball away too quick for France and when you do that enough I think you do enough to create your own yeah. luck if you like it it had been coming for most of the second half and to be honest with you like we've talked a lot about France but they're in danger of losing their way a little bit with this because you look at the two away matches in the Six Nations so far this year and two performances where in the first half they've looked totally in control of a game. They haven't made that advantage really count on the scoreboard. And then in Dublin a couple of weeks ago, they got to a point where an absolutely hat-stand, shambolic Ireland team Led by Billy fucking Burns, was you know was within a penalty or a drop goal of winning the game, despite them absolutely dominating it for the entire game basically, and then again you know they were for the second sort of twenty minutes in the first half, they were completely fucking dominant. They absolutely could have could and should have scored about three tries. They only scored one, and then the second half they just gave up. Like credit to England's defence and credit to England's line speed and aggression, as you say, like they just absolutely fucking went at them. But they looked compl- like particularly on attack, France just looked bereft of ideas. They were just chucking the ball around. Why didn't Entomac come on? Yeah, I was wondering that as well. Because I one because I was made to look stupid because I wrote at half time on the Guardian. Oh well, I think the key moment where Entomac comes on to weave his little spell into this game, and then he didn't come yeah. anywhere near the pitch. Because Jalabert was playing all right, actually, but I do I take your point that they, they, he looked like he was either trying too hard or running Way out of hard. ideas or a, or a terrible cocktail of the two by by at least sixty minutes, sixty five yeah. minutes. So it why was, the hell Untermat didn't make an appearance? I can understand why Dupont stays on because he's fucking magic, yeah. isn't he? But yeah, but Untermat is like he is the sensible one in all this, you know. He's a very yeah. talented player, but he is the one that... And he'd that been perfect made... at that moment, wouldn't he? Look, you're all yeah. using, losing your shit. Yes, they're a I'm bit big to, and scary. To, yeah, let, me show you how, yeah. let me show yeah. you how we deal with this. Yeah, let me hoof the ball diagonally 60 metres across the pitch and bounce it out on the five-yard five, on the five yard line. With my hair like a magical my unicorn. absolutely unruffled, and then England <laughs> can have a fucking five-metre line-out that we're going to absolutely fucking go after. Because that French line out is a thing of absolute beauty. Like that set that second it, French. You try, made the point last week mm. about how much they were going to miss Bernard Larue. Oh boy! And did I, they. I'm, sure, I'm sure they'll be all right. But actually, just a general work rate shit housery, and he wouldn't have been out muscled. No. By in the same way, I know he's only one player, but it did make a difference though. France are light at lock. They, that's, that's the reason why they've got two fucking South African blokes there. <laughs> you know, they have, this is not a vintage generation of French locks. It's a vintage generation of pretty much everything else. But second row, they are pretty... Imagine if you drop Fabian Palouse into this game, into this oh. team. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just think, you know, it's, you know... Two games away to decent teams in the Six Nations this year. And, you know, we said it a couple of weeks after the Ireland game. Like it's all well and good, Dupont and company fucking throwing ridiculous offloads and looking 
like they're playing porno rugby against Italy. But as yeah, everyone else has demonstrated this tournament, everyone can play fucking porno rugby against Italy this year. <laughs> but um, I think there was enough there. I know the trouble with Six Nations is, is because it is such a big, high-profile tournament every year, you have to be up for it and ready every year, mm. and that's just not realistic. And I just don't think France are quite there yet. I wouldn't no. worry about it too much. I think they're ironically having a down year in a year where they probably everyone expected you know, them to take. There's a lot of shit talking about taking learnings and stuff, but yeah. I think that's probably true in this in their point. They're a very young team still, yeah, and they still, you know, they are still a team that can do, you know, that second try. The Oh, the, first, the, the one off, off the, first phase at the top of the line. Off out. the line out. My Genuinely words. one of the most fucking gorgeous tries I've seen in years. Because what did, I mean, DuPont passed it and then ran around two players, didn't he? To yeah. get the ball to pop it to Jack. It was, it was a runner, it was a, a, a run, a loop around two players. Yeah, it was a crack, it was an over the, it was a throw direct over the top to. Oh, that's it, yeah. Of course. An, in, an inside centre. And then and Dupont looped round, didn't he? Yeah, the and then Dupont looped round, yeah, and he yeah. and then um, Fred Jalabert, did he? Was no, he was, was it Ficky. I can't remember. Ficky, takes the ball. Then he put, does a little nice pullback to Dupont, who's running against the grain. Who then offloads it to Jalabert, who dummies, commits the man, and then. And Jalabert that, came from about half a mile away. On Honestly, arc, absolutely it? It nowhere. It was just like. <laughs> If I could sort of elope with <laughs> the moment where Jalivert does that first dummy and the entire England backline bites on it like it is a slice of delicious cake. Honestly, it was just... <laughs> un- like, we're so used to the mundanity of like set moves from lineouts and what they look like. Because every team does the same thing, basically. There's a loop or there's a sort of two wave thing running that, you yeah. know, or to, it was just wonderfully inventive in a way that shows that like rugby doesn't have, when you say that, talk about like genius in rugby, it doesn't have to be the sort of stuff that DuPont is doing the rest of the time where it's sort of maverick fucking improvisational brilliance. Sometimes genius can be drawn up on a whiteboard in the week. And then just worked really, really hard until you do it perfectly. It was just. Oh. If you want to tailor two fullbacks in this game, by the way, a compare and contrast between the performance of Brice Dulat and the. Uh, I mean, I was advocating for Max Malins quite strongly. Me too. But, but I mean, the horrible thing is, I hope he's not dropped now because he's still talented enough. He just. Yeah. I don't know, I think he was he over eager. Was he trying too hard? I don't know what it was. But he ended up. I mean, at one point, he literally he, sort of like perambulated into the line at one point <laughs> then took a step backwards not knowing quite what to do with himself I felt quite sorry for him really I did too because he had basically had 10 minutes of playing really well had 20 minutes of playing really badly and then he had about the rest of the game playing extremely anonymously mm-hmm. and yeah you feel I wonder if I genuinely don't know what Eddie Jones's ideal fullback looks like because I don't Mike think Brown. he. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but, but like a sort of 2016 vintage Mike Brown, I think is what he wants. 
he wants that sort of aggressive counter-attacker who's also solid defensively and a good, you know, and has got a decent left peg on him. Whereas, I, and certainly the way that you Bristol use him, and you would imagine the way that Saracens use would use him, given well, they'd how use they him like use Alex Good. Alex Good, which weirdly, exactly. he doesn't like. Exactly, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't like Alex Good because Alex Good effectively operates as a second ten in that Saracens backline, and he comes in as a second distributor. And that's what he does with Bristol as well. You know, he quite regularly will pop up a first receiver and do wonderful things there. But I don't. I think, ironically, I think Eddie Jones's ideal fullback is basically Liam Williams. <laughs> yes, that's probably very true. Yeah, like a rangy sort of counter attacker who likes running into space, who can also peg it and isn't going to get caught out defensively. And I just think that's kind of why he's sort of forced Elliot Daly to just stay there for years when he's clearly miserable because it's the it's the closest thing he's got. And the weird thing is if you gave Malins that second a bit more of that second ten role I don't think you ironically you probably would have done better because you wouldn't have been stood at the back miles behind thinking I'm playing really fucking badly here. You know what yeah. I mean? Because you'd you'd have to be more involved and actually kind of and not quite drift out of the game as like you said as much as he did. <laughs> Yeah, but I think ironically, like Max Malians would make a really great uh, Adam Ashley Cooper like, impersonator. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> but also, he'd make a really he'd be a good fifteen to play in a backline where Owen Farrell was the ten, <laughs> which oh. obviously is the plan at Sa- which obviously is the plan at Saracens. Yes. You know, presumably when he goes back there is for him to be the long term really kind of point, yeah. And yet <laughs> ironically we're at a situation where Eddie has now gone back to accepting that all he can do is play Farrell at twelve and and Ford at ten. Whereas he might just want to try playing Farrell at ten and Malins at fifteen and then he can and see what happens. Who but, was it who ran over the top of Farrell in this game at one? Was it Fiku who took a carry in and absolutely um, splintered him? Was it Vakatawa? He might have been Vakatawa. Vakatawa did that thing where he threw two people on the floor with one hand <laughs> in the space of four seconds. He picked, I think he picked Johnny May up and then and disappeared the for the rest of the game. Yeah, and then just, just completely disappeared. <laughs> he picked he picked Johnny May up and literally threw him on the floor while he had the ball. And then in the same, he walked two steps forward and Owen Farrell tried to tackle him and he threw him on the floor as well. And it was a genuinely frightening sort of level of strength from an outside centre. But as you say, then just did fuck all for the rest of the game. Literally did not do a single thing. Weird. So I suppose all you can do is... I come back to my point. I think England built better than last week. That's all you Completely can agree. Two weeks ago, even that's all you can do. I think France were slightly undercooked and missing. Lovely. Yeah, and still, and, like... and we're still there nearly until a minute with two minutes to go. You know, let's not forget. So nearly won the yeah, fucking still, thing. Yeah, they still could have had. You know, if they'd have been a bit more precise with their set piece at the end, they could have got something out of that game. But um, and let's face it, France were quite silly in the in the last sort of. They kind of pulled a bit of a Chris Robshaw in that they went for the win. Whereas if they'd have played for the points and a drop goal at the end, they could have drawn that game. 
and had a very, very good chance of winning the Six Nations this year. Instead, they went balls out for the win and they got they knocked on and got turned over. They did go for one drop goal though, didn't they? <laughs> Maybe that's why they didn't go for a drop goal. <laughs> when, when that, was it yeah. Duran who tried to fucking basically yeah. kick it from Reading? And it, I mean, I, funnily I enough, res- dropped short. I respected it. Oh, I, I had all the, the time in the world for it. <laughs> I think there's absolutely a... I, I would genuinely... Why not? Like, if you are a fullback who thinks, I could probably have a crack at a drop goal from the halfway line, <laughs> the amount of space that you're regularly afforded as a fullback chasing back... Why the fuck not just start having a pot? Like, just take pot shots. Yeah, instead of doing contestable, the the, the thing they're obsessed with now, fucking contestable kicks. Contest this. I'm going to fucking drop goal the shite out of you for the next half an hour. Yeet it from the fucking, (laughs) just inside the off. And then what's the worst going to happen? 22? Oh, well. The worst going to happen, it could drop somewhere on their 22 when they catch it and run it back at you. But, you know. Maybe, yeah. But if if you back yourself. Here's a question. Can Mm. you be offside from a drop goal? Ooh. I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Anybody who knows, mm. let us know. Because mm. I think if you try a drop goal, you you could just chase it as hard as you fucking like from wherever you yeah. are on the field. Yeah. Who knows? Wow. I, think, I, think we've hit, I think we've hit on a... How is nobody, I mean, I can't believe nobody's thought of this, so this can't be a... <laughs> we're obviously wrong, but... Um, Anyway. Yeah, but I'm all for speculative drop shots from halfway line. Why not? Yeah, I don't want competent happen? drop goals from 20 metres out, like no, getting no, no, the beer no, no, ruining no, no, people's no. games. I want no. absolutely, there's nothing on, just have a fucking massive swing at it. Yeah. 50 plus metres. We'll get another five years out of, you know, half of the South African backline's careers. <laughs> Brock James is recalled. <laughs> um yeah, so there you go. England versus France. Good game. Really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, good really grandstand finish. It was nice to see Sean Edwards pumping his fists when he thought he'd, you know, nearly got there, but then didn't. Yeah, felt for him. Bless him. Sunday, uh, Scotland played Ireland on Sunday, didn't they, Josh? And lost. Yes, a def- uh, definitely a less high quality game, but it was sort of chaotically ramshackle enough that I still found it quite entertaining. Ireland make me hate rugby now. Okay, I mean, honestly, I can understand why they are an utterly fucking joyless expression of a game that, as we've just discussed, can be quite rewarding. They're like a fucking Portishead album played through shit speakers in a freezing cold garage in Grimsby. <laughs> Asterisk, except for Tyg Furlong. Yes, who is fun, but no, see, I didn't find that. I genuinely oh, found God, myself. I, I found quite... myself fucking infuriated by everything they did. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ireland are wasting a great deal of talent doing inexplicable things, but I would have found like professional, like professional scoring tries and playing sensible rugby. Ireland would have won that game quite comfortably, and it would have been boring. But as it was, Ireland was so sort of weird and ramshackle and silly at times that they just allowed that's Scotland what made me to... even more fucking angry because what they were trying <laughs> to do was like fucking joyless and then they kept fucking that up which I couldn't even find amusing <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> it was just I'm probably being completely unfair but I just got more and more enraged watching it that's why we even get to the fact that Scotland can't fucking catch anymore so <laughs> they can't catch they can 
hoof the ball into their own faces and turn it into a try. <laughs> or hoof a ball fucking touching goal at a crucial moment. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Honestly, what was wrong with Scotland? It's like every single one of them Honestly. had had their hands chopped off and had them swapped with a pair of the elephant man's bad hand. Absolutely fucking unbelievable. Credit where it's due, though. Paul O'Connell deserves a lot of credit for the job he's done to Ireland's line-outs. Like, first game against Wales, they pinched four. In the game against France, they stole three. Italy, okay, they only stole one, but they really didn't need to. So why would you waste... I reckon he, he stands when they're doing the drills. He stands right next to them. And if they don't get it right, the second the jumper's feet touch the floor, he fucking chins them as hard as he possibly can. I think he's it's got a like... pure terror-based coaching <laughs> approach. I reckon. I think he's got like one of those, you know, those things that like they police use to stop cars, like the spike strip. <laughs> <laughs> if you do something wrong, he just throws out the spike strip, and you come down, and just you're on spikes. And if you somehow don't land on that, he just fires a taser at you. The second you land and the ball's spilling out. Uh, yeah. Eight, you only fire the taser while you're in midair and you miss the ball. So you come down having a full spasm. So you've got a fucking tight bird coming down spasming in his scrum cap. Uh, I mean, that would explain a lot. It would explain a lot. You know, fear is a, a wonderful a motivator. I mean, I it's did love long, that. It's not a long-term strategy, but it's effective. No. Well, I mean, you say it's not a long-term strategy, <laughs> but Jamie Heaslip, quite obviously, still genuinely afraid of Paul O'Connor. <laughs> like, in a sort of... He wasn't kidding around. You could tell there was a genuine fear on comms when he was talking about that he would somehow say something that Paul would not like. <laughs> and that he'd fucking fill him in. And I believe him. I absolutely believe him. But yeah, six of eight... They fucking stole off Scotland's own throw, which is a remarkable stat and says a lot about everyone involved. Credit to Ireland, but fucking hell, Scotland, what are you doing? <laughs> but also fucking hell, Ireland. Like, when you can disrupt a key facet of your opposition's attacking game to the tune that they're getting 25% of their own fucking ball offline out, um, you're going to win more games than you don't. And it's remarkable that they managed to win that level of ball and yet Scotland still nearly won that game. <laughs> it's, 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 my last note I've written here about Scotland is, and yet they and nearly won. They won the game, yeah. <laughs> Scotland were absolutely rancid in almost every facet of the game. And yet Ireland are so joyless and bad and all over the shop that they somehow allowed Scotland to come Back within a point where they could have won a game, it's that, remarkable. That Jameson Gibson Park looks like that picture of Saddam when they pulled him out of that hole. I mean, he, and it's he about was, as invigorating to the performance. Say, he was scrum halfing with that kind of energy by the end of that game. <laughs> I mean, why? I don't know what the fuck went on there, but the fact that Conor Murray was not fit and yet was on the bench, and so this knackered, fucking elderly, bearded man. <laughs> had to carry on fucking fruitlessly throwing balls at forwards who didn't feel like really carrying anyway. It was just... I mean, the Irish forwards did a bit of a number on Scotland, I think, is the is yeah, top and bottom of it. Rugby's a simple you, game yeah. at times, and if you fucking forwards do a number on the opposition, 
You're going to win. The opposition didn't yeah. help. Every time they got the ball, they kept fucking dropping it or kicking it out, <laughs> touching goal. It was one of those horrible performances if you were Scottish, wasn't it? That, yeah. Oh, no, I remember this. Oh, oh, the fear is rising in me. I thought they were past this. Yeah, I quite. genuinely did. I didn't think, I didn't see this level of sort of foot shooting coming back to it. But as you say, like, particularly in the back row, fucking uh, Bernard, um Connors and Stander. That could be. That's a serious fucking unit there. Hamish Watson was trying manfully, as he always yeah, does. Yeah, he be really fair. was. Uh, but there's only so much but, you can do, isn't there? Also, I do think there's something about both the Scottish and the France performance. Did that speak to how they're missing that game? Were they were they yeah, both they slightly looked, they underdone? All looked, you know? They all looked pretty undercooked. You've got to say it. It was. Yeah, they looked like teams that hadn't really played a competitive game in a month, and it did show. But and you know, it's it's. It was almost the reverse. France started well and then fell off, whereas Scotland started abysmally, but then sort of woke up with about 60 minutes. I genuinely looked at them and thought, this lot are going to fucking win. Like, Scotland's going to win this game. Because as soon as they sort of turned... After that Hugh Jones try, like, instantly, Ireland just looked, oh, fuck. His right foot step is glorious, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But he has the face of a twat. But, uh, <laughs> a, a clear, a definite prick to look at him. But yeah, it was a lovely try. But fucking hell, I'm gonna get a cameo off him now. Eleven pound twenty-five. You can't say bad. no at that price, right. can you? Can't Tell you what, I would want to do. Alan Quinlan's fifty-five quid. Mm. As I've just, do you reckon if I paid him, he, I could, he'd tell me about the time he kicked Fabian Palouse up the arse. Probably, if, yeah. For 55 just, quid, you could give me the full quid. anecdote, Can you me? just, yeah, give me, give us the full anecdote of how you kicked Fabian Pace <laughs> up the arse. I'm giggling, just remembering it, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I still mentioned him police is there before. And rem- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, I interrupted you because yes. that thought crossed my mind. No, it's yeah, glorious. Yeah, Jones, um, yeah. Yeah, like the, Scotland genuinely felt like they were going to win that game and then things happened and... <laughs> They sort of control, and you know what? You not... could kind of feel it coming, couldn't you? You just thought yeah. they're going to fuck this up some way. Yeah. And they scored. But the thing is, they scored a couple of. You know, they they went from a fourteen point hole to being within That's a true. score. Yeah. And, and they couldn't win a fucking line out. They had no set piece. Yeah. That you could write on a postcard. You know? Yeah. Well, they had to do those. They did those quick taps in the twenty-two because they knew if they went to a line out, it was probably going to get fucking picked off. And All got Connell's a t- taser t- training was going to come into place. <laughs> I tell you what, though. That was a real, like, that whole thing is done now. The whole forwards doing a quick tap inside the 22 thing. It's over, man. That is finished. Like, refs have gone, don't pre-bind. I'm going to penalise you if you pre-bind. And then all the forwards go, (laughs) (laughs) And so all that happens is that a fat man runs into three tacklers and falls over. And then... You run through multiple phases and probably don't get either get turned over or you end up going backwards. Scotland it's, will have no choice with a line like, line like that than to reintroduce wall plays. I'm into it. I love a bit of that. Some yeah. of the midfield mauling. Why not? Yeah. Bring all that shit back. But where do they go from here? I suppose. I mean, Scotland have got Italy next, which you know. I it's think a nice will... palate cleanser for them, if nothing else. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they won't. They won't head off into the end. The Six Nations finishing. Well, it won't finish for them, will it? Of course, they've still got to play. They've got to play France, France. in the end of March for a some week, reason. A week Friday, isn't it? 
Yeah, so it could be an entirely uh, meaningless game, or it could be a game that will decide the Six Nations title, depending on how things go in Paris next week. So, If you want to see how easy it is to play some nice rugby against Italy, look at mm. Ireland's Gary Ringrose try. Yes. Versus yeah. everything they tried to do on Saturday, or didn't try to do. Yeah. Is probably more of the point. Very true. Keith Hurst played well again, though. Yeah, he when did. his job was mainly just catching things and getting in the way, you know. I mean, and that's not to do him down. Yeah. He his job was to be a, just have this horrible defensive job to do against a big fucking unit, and he did it as well. Yeah, it's kind of with the Keith Earls thing. It's like you kind of are gonna have to if he's gonna be your like one winger. You need some more excitement to come from the rest of your back line somewhere, you know? And James Lowe brings a wrong kind of excitement at the minute. No, The excitement is missing tackles and throwing the ball into touch. Not, not we the kind of thing about, you want. We were talking about Johnny McNichol earlier, but, I mean, what does James Lowe offer at test level beyond his admittedly world-class propensity to seem like a total twat? And the fact that he can kick the ball 100,000 miles. Yeah, which a lot of wingers can do that if they want to. I'm sure they just don't. He's too slow to really be an if effective... If he was 14 and a half stone... Yes. He would... He, he, you talk about a money ball problem here. Mm. He's the anti-money ball winger. Yeah. You know, was it they say in that, in that, in that film? People, some people look at James Lowe and see an international winger... What I look at James Lowe and see a fundamental misunderstanding of the game of rugby. Yeah. And everything about him looks like, you know, six foot two, 17 stone, every bit the modern winger. But he's too, he's about half a step too slow to be an effective sort of poaching finisher at this level. His defence for Hugh Jones's try was genuinely embarrassing. Uh, the other score, there was questions to ask about his tackling as well. Ireland have invested a lot of time and money in him. And it almost feels like he's in too big to fail territory, you know? <laughs> it's like we've we've come this far. He is basically the HS2 of rugby. He is it's the like... global financial crisis of rugby. <laughs> yeah. The Irish government will have to pay him. To not play for Ireland or something, probably. It's like, HS2 is a silly idea that doesn't offer a great deal of benefit, but it's been so expensive now they've got to finish it. James Lowe is not a test winger, but... But they've already knocked down a load of fucking woodland in in the East Midlands, so... (laughs) Exactly, so it might as well go. But, you know, he's he's not good enough to be a test winger. He's 28 years old. He's going to be 30 by the time the World Cup comes around. He's got six caps. He's yet to have a good game against a good team. Um... Yeah. I just yeah, there are other options. Jacob Stockdale is looks back to his Jacob Stockdale best uh, for Ulster on the weekend. There's absolutely no reason that you should be picking both Keith Earls and James Lowe in the same team. And, and if he you should want be to able to pick... carry like Dewan, shouldn't he? And he just isn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> like this thing, Van der Merwe might not be 
is a big lad, but he fucking runs his weight. James Lowe at test yes. level does not fucking run his weight. Is it just basically a pace thing? Is Van der Merwe a little bit quicker, do we think? I think he's not really analysing much, but it suggests. I wonder if James Lowe is not naturally. He's just not the athlete. I think James Lowe is not enough fast twitch muscle fibre, lad. That's your problem. He's just. He's not carrying. He's carrying too much weight to make him. Because he does. I do feel like since he's been in Ireland, James Lowe has got bigger. I'm sure he wasn't (laughs) seventeen stone when he came over. I'm sure he looked like he was more about sort of fifteen and a half. And they've obviously piled a lot of weight on him because they want him to be this big physical winger, but he's he's got it just doesn't work. Slight slight change of subject, different question. Scotland's mm. been on one of the most severe lockdowns in Europe, right? Yep. How come they've all got perfect skin fades? <laughs> Somebody in that squad has got really good at YouTube tutorials. It looks like, haven't they? And got on the, yeah. They're not using fucking battery-powered beard trimmers to do that, are they? <laughs> no, exactly. They've gone. They've Every done the sensible thing. Every single one of them got a beautiful... Yeah. And skin fades are complicated, man. They are hard, I man. sit in the barbers watching, thinking it's my turn next, but he's having a skin fade. That's me This is going to take That's ages. That's me fucking yeah. for the next 45 minutes. I might as well put some on Netflix on my phone. <laughs> a barber decided he was going to give me a skin fade once, about three or four years ago. I didn't really ask for it, but he just did it anyway. And I was just like, I thought, I see, you know, usually he does the top, he shaves the sides, he blends the two in, he goes, is that enough off top? And then we go our separate ways. And then we go our separate ways. And he was just like, do you want me to fade it into your neckline? And usually that just means you sort of make yeah. it a little bit shorter. Tapering. Do you want to taper yeah, taper, neck? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, yes, please, mate. And then he proceeded to do the full skin fade thing on the back of my head. And I was literally like, my, my fucking haircut's usually finished about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I've got a meeting. And, <laughs> and you've been there with a fucking razor going around and around and around and around like fucking Dante's seventh circle of haircuts. My Kurdish barbers do that, you know, the razoring thing on your neck. They taper mm. it in, razor on the neck, don't they? Just clean it all up. Yeah. And give it a bit of, a, they give it a, they give it a paste in, the Kurdish barbers. And like when they blow dry, they blow dry my neck and they've got to wet it to do it. And they blow dry yeah. it and they're like, they've got a little hard round brush and they absolutely twat you on the head. Oh, like I hate that. Down. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so anyway, so they do all that and then you've got the neck and then then they, without even asking, they put this kind of lemony, they spray this lemony spritz on your neck oh, and do you get that? Necessary. And it fucking kills. And, and and But because, of course, you're in with like these Middle, these middle Eastern men, you've got to go, <laughs> and that grit your teeth. Is, yeah. like, is, he, is this comes, right? Shit, no. shit. No. <laughs> Soft ass now. Not like that when yeah. I play rugby. Uh, right. That'll do, will it, for the weekend? Should we talk about next will. weekend? Yes, we should. So what should be the fact the Super Saturday is coming, what should be the final weekend, but because COVID, yeah. that's been ruined, so standard. Yeah. Um, and we are going to make some predictions now with our friends at whoknowswins.com, the lovely app mm-hmm. you can get hold of on website and do a little bit of a, a bit of daft. They say it's betting, don't feel like that really, but I suppose it is betting, I suppose. You chuck, you chuck five quid in a pot, you get to pick who wins a game. There's no odds. It's a friendly wager with amongst friends. Yeah, you lose a fiver if you yeah. don't win, like we did this week. Yeah, made a complete mule of ourselves this week, Josh. Two incorrect predictions, and we're still playing. So yeah, you might as well just carry on. Chuck a fiver. It's the last week. It's your last chance. It's the last weekend. See if you can yeah. win yourself a bit of money by chucking a fiver in there, challenging your friends, and going to who knows wins dot com. It's been all right actually. 
Does yeah. it have a daft pick every week? It's amazing. It's it's horrible when you do it every week and your full fucking uselessness is laid bare to you. It's laid bare to us all. Yeah. Yeah. And yet people listen to us thinking we God knows we why somehow might know, know what, what we're, we're talking, talking about, about, which we don't. But also it no. does show you that there's not everybody gets it right, do they? No. And there are genuinely every week in the six days is games you look at and think, I can't really pick this. Italy yeah. aside, obviously. Last week was really hard. I thought both ga- both of the two meaningful games that didn't involve Italy, I genuinely thought could have gone either way. And ultimately, they just about went the ways I expected them to, I think. Yeah, I suppose the thing is they were, well, there were three points difference in each game. Yeah. There? So, you know, that kind of tells you what you need to know. So, um, yeah, so who knows wins.com, or you can go on the app store and look at who knows wins and it's mm. in there, or play store, whatever. I don't fucking you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know yeah. this better than me, people listening, yeah. and you definitely know. I definitely do. So then we've got, we got then? Scotland, Italy is the first game next weekend. Uh, Scotland by 30. Scotland will lose every line out, drop every third pass, and still win by 182 points. Is yeah, my this is going to be a comfortable 20, 30 point it win. It is. It is. Uh, it's uh, not going to be. Unless the Italy have been saving a bunch of shit because they've been targeting the Scotland game. But I doubt that. History would prove it's a wise one to target. Sorry, Scotland fans. Um, so, Ireland versus England is the second game, the 4 15 or 4 45 kickoff, I think. Um, yes. That's in Dublin. It is. They are without. Ireland are without James Ryan and Gary Ringrose, as we've already said, which brings mm. in Bundyaki, probably. Yeah, to partner the, Robbie the Henshaw, the world's least creative. Robbie Henshaw's playing well though. He's playing really fucking well. Really well. He's definitely going to be the twelve in that thing that we don't talk about. There's no, there are no other candidates. He's playing fucking twelve. That's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, big loss. No ring rose. Uh, and we know what happens when Ireland play England in the Six Nations in the last couple Ireland of years. Ireland looked a better team with Ryan in it as well. He yeah, does, he's, a bit, he's, he he's the Bernard LaRue of a. He is Ireland, a difference yeah. maker, and so I think this is probably going to be England by 10. England by 7, I've said. But I'm still okay. saying, I think England, if England get a bit better than they had done this week, they will have yeah. enough to meet to beat that fucking lumpen shitbag that is Ireland at the minute. Yeah. I'm sorry, I've been very down on Irish. On the Irish team this week. I'm sorry, Ireland listeners. I know we have quite a few, but that's because you had to watch this game on the weekend. I didn't know, and I wasn't to... even covering it, so it was yeah. not like I was distracted by writing. Did it for I pleasure. just had to sit and look at it and go, <laughs> "Fucking hell!" I finished my I finished my lunch early for this. <laughs> um. Yes. So the other games then. So Ireland will be Wales France as the uh... one more game. France versus Wales yeah. in Paris at the weekend. Saturday, eight o'clock kickoff. Long time to get worried and think about yeah, Josh. Yeah. Get yourself wound up. I think France by six. I think if France play ninety percent as well as they did in the first half for sixty-five minutes of that game, you're still with me. They win. Yeah, 100%. and I think they're capable of that. Yes, I'm. I'm I. I am betting the farm on Wales winning the Six Nations with a losing bonus point. Which would be entirely in keeping with <laughs> everything that's gone before. So hang on, how do we need these results to go? I've I've lost track now. So I believe that now that France have lost and Scotland have obviously put themselves out of it entirely, um, the most points France can now get 
is 19. Right. Which means that they would need to get, um, I think, two bonus point wins, is it? So it's only it's between Wales and, just to confirm now, it's between Wales and France to win the tournament this year? Yes. Ireland are, so France, Wales are currently on 19 points, played for 1-4, obviously. Mm-hmm. Ireland are on 11 points, played for 1-2. Yeah, France. weirdly, Ireland are in the are in second place in the Six Nations, Six Nations at the moment, which it doesn't feel like that, does it? Not a vintage year. Yeah, <laughs> when Ireland are in second, yeah. <laughs> and the fact is, it's not a vintage year, is it? I know that you can kind of you, a lot of people can get a bit sniffy about everyone lining up to say, "Well, it's not a proper Grand Slam and stuff." <clears throat> you can still say that it's not been the best. It's not the most. Absolutely having said that, been. loads of enjoyable games. Yeah. So. Uh, so yes. how many how many points does somebody get for a win these days? You see, this is the kind of thing that we should know, isn't it? Because it's it's not always this. Rugby stupidly does not always have this. I think is it three? Is it four points for a win? I think it's what four is? points for a win. Then the possibility of a bonus, isn't it? Yes. So the most points that France can get from the last two games is. Um, is 20 points, right? Yeah. they're on 10 points at the moment. And that would require them to get bonus points off uh, France and off Wales and Scotland. Now, if Wales can get a losing bonus point, then France would have to... Then it would come down to points difference. Yeah. And Wales are currently... Plus sixty-three, so, and France are currently plus thirty-nine. So with a losing bonus point, Wales win. Uh, Assuming France beats Scotland, for, I think actually no. Wales would need a try bonus point and a losing bonus point to win the title on Saturday. Oh yeah, sorry, I'm forgetting about that fucking extra game. So Honestly, basically, that fucking extra game keeps throwing. So if me, France yeah. tonks Scotland by shitloads, that that's problematic for Wales, isn't it? Yes, and narrow, every... if, if France just about beats Scotland, then Wales will somehow be awarded the Six Nations, despite the fact that the squad will have been broken up and then have all gone back to their clubs. They'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, send them their medals in the post or something, which would be an entirely appropriate way for this silly Six Nations to end. Italy minus one hundred and forty-two points. It's not great, is it? Mother of Christ. <laughs> um, but yes, so the the. The best scenario for Wales is, of course, a win or a draw on the weekend. Um, if Wales can also pick up... if well, I mean, the funniest way for Wales would be a, a losing bonus point and a try bonus point, at which point they will win the Six Nations. Is it entirely possible that France might win with four tries on Saturday? Entirely possible, I'd say, yeah. Hmm. I but I would equally say I, I would equally say that since if, if France score four tries, I reckon Wales can score four tries. <laughs> Because Wales have scored seventeen tries in the in the tournament so far, which is seven more than anyone else. I know France have got an extra game, but still, Wales have scored a lot of fucking tries this tournament. And you can't even say oh because Italy, but everyone scored a shitload against Italy. Yeah, so that's a great th- level. Got three, yeah, they've had three try bonus points, and they've only conceded seven tries, whereas France have only conceded four tries, which is not a lot of try. Admittedly, <laughs> one game less. We have to keep telling ourselves. Yes, because of that stupid fucking game. Okay, so this Saturday then, 
Yes. And I suppose we can talk about the weekend after, but it's hard without knowing who's going to be playing. But this Saturday, are you? we're both saying France to win? Yeah. Narrowly? Well, quite, narrow, quite narrowly, I think. I think it could be quite a nip-tuck affair. And then I suppose the week after Scotland-France. We can talk about that next week, can't we? Yeah. Shall we do shit good? I think we should. To bring this to a... A, a, a logical a, conclusion. A conclusion. Uh, so, Indeed. have you got any shits yourself there, Josh? Uh, Augustin Creevy. <laughs> London Irish and Argentine. London Irish, right? Somehow racked up a world record 300-plus tackles in their win against Worcester on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, of course, saw Blair Cowan make 35, again, a record. Uh, and half the back line topped 20-plus tackles. 35. Even... I mean, the work rate, right? That's like that's rugby league comparable numbers. But yeah. rugby league don't have to push in scrums or hit rocks. Yeah, and they get to come off for five minutes. And so he's, he's effectively done 30, rugby league level tackling and all the other stuff you have to do in rugby union as well. Yeah. And, yeah, and most of the back line topped 20-plus tackles. Uh, Irish's starting props uh, made 35 tackles between them in, like, 54 minutes. So what about the 90-cap, you know, Puma captain, all-star player, London Irish's glamour signing for this season? He must have put in a ma- No, wait, nine. Nine tackles. Which See, is- I saw that and thought, this is obviously wrong. I've read this wrong, or somebody no. typed it wrong, or nine ta- nine oh, in fifty-eight minutes. <laughs> nine in fifty-eight minutes. Because yeah, I thought oh, f- he must have got injured then. No, no, no. Full fifty-eight hour. minutes. His replacement got seven in twenty-two minutes. By the way, he was- <laughs> so he spent the entire game walking from rock to rock and leaning yeah. on it. Basically, Don't tell me he's just there to pick up the paycheck, man. I mean, you know, living in one place and not having to go on fucking aeroplanes all the time. Uh-huh. You know, I don't blame him for take, for taking it slightly easy at this stage of his career. But that's but, just unforgivable. <laughs> if you can't be fucked when your teammates are like... I mean, they'll of... know. They'll know this. The stats yeah. will be shared. You yeah. know? It's not... Nine. You've got nine. <laughs> the fullback got seven. And he's not it's, supposed it's, to it's, make tackles. It's Nueve, Augustine. I've learned that word specifically to tell you. <laughs> Just like, yeah, fair play. You've got, that's... Nine tackles for a hooker would be quite meh in a regular game, you know? It's yeah, that's just disgraceful. Isn't it? <laughs> in a game where your the rest of your team racks up three hundred tackles, and you have con- like I can't remember how many was it like three hundred and four or something like that that London Irish had. Yeah, it was three hundred plus, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll just check out it. However many it is for you to somehow make nine of those in and playing most of the game. Three percent of the team's tackles, that is, in case you're not sure. <laughs> and he's a lot more than three percent of the team. Three three percent of your team's tackles in a game. <laughs> it's just it's how do you walk into training the next day and be like, right, lads, 
Feeling a bit sore today, are we? 307 tackles. Feeling a bit sore today, lads. I've been dragging my fucking wallet round. (laughs) So, let's have a... uh, That Brophy Clues lad, the centre, right? Yeah. Inside centre, 27 fucking tackles. (laughs) Rob Simmons, 24 tackles. Steve Maffey, 23 tackles. Rogerson, 25 tackles. You know, this the is absolute not... cunt at ten even put in more tackles. Yeah, even there. the absolute prick put twenty tackles in. Creevy managed to do like three more. He did two more tackles than the scrum half. <laughs> Who's? <laughs> it's even he. Has... Ollie Hassel Collins got eleven tackles, and he's on the wing. He's not supposed to be doing it. It's genuinely baffling. Oh, yeah. So what else we got that's shit here? Frank, uh, Matt says shit was Franco, Franco Smith with his head in his hands after 20 minutes. That's really not a good look from anyone in a high-performance leadership role, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> then when you walk in at half-time and go, you could do this, lads. Could do... We don't believe you, Franco. We you saw you on the fucking big screen. The screen. Crying your eyes out. <laughs> Rage crying after 14 minutes. Um, he said, but Matt says good. Is is Johnny Dud be scared from Rob Ampard? Very funny. Can I just say, he had a great game in just terms of being Roman Poit. The most Roman Poit game, peak Roman Poit that game was. Yeah. The way he dived into that huddle to to check. He got knocked on his ass twice. Yep. I was just, honestly, he's just the mischief that that man loves getting involved in. I just love him. I just love him. Like, he got right, you know, he had perfect open side flanker body position to get down there and have a look and see where that ball was. What a fucking Great ridiculous, low base. ridiculous call that was, by the way. Yes. Because, yeah, it probably was on the ground when you got there 22 yeah. seconds after it had actually been in the tackle because that was massively held up. And I'm sure they squirmed it down after the, the tackle had yeah, been completed. They always no do. They of course always- they do. This is literally what they always do. In a, in a, in a oh. normal situation, they'd have said, I can't see it, have a look. At which point yeah. they'd have said, I've got, I can't see it clearly, no try. Well, he, he was perfectly sort of within his rights to say, I've got the ball on the ground, on-field decision oh, is a Oh, having said that, I don't think it was a horror decision. It's just, it's just typical yeah. of the fucking it's mischief. Him. It's him, isn't it? It's, it's pure fucking no yeah. TMO, just vibes. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Glorious. Uh, right what else we got here that's shit Uh, Morgan says shit is Zinzan Brook turning out to be an anti-vax conspiracy theorist now we've said this before haven't we Josh you shouldn't look too closely at rugby players and you definitely shouldn't look too closely at rugby players of that vintage no good comes of it no it really doesn't just just hope yourself Just, just give them the benefit of the doubt by not finding out which rhymes in a weird way, but you don't want to look too close. What have we got else that's shit here? Uh, Matt Merritt says shit is the Worcester attack. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you yeah. know, yeah, testament to London Irish, but come on. <laughs> they had something like 30 phases inside the 22 or something like that, yeah. which 
I mean, those like stats people who go bananas about the twenty-two entries conversion rate. This yeah. will be like a fucking seminar topic for the next two years, <laughs> won't it? This is just known as the grand outlier forevermore. That'll be the seminar topic. So, and then it, what's and that it, one over there? Oh, that's the that was that Western London Irish game. Yeah. Where they... <laughs> and we've got a seminar on that next week, and at the end, Augustine Creevy's going to come in to explain himself. <laughs> Uh, Ian Ferrugia says that shit is every team of the weekend I've seen want to, making me want to rip off my own face. This is the Tom Curry gambit, isn't it? Where he's now the greatest seven in the world. Yeah, I've seen a lot about that this week. And I'm fully in the Tom Curry's the most overrated player in England uh, thing, he, which I know you're not on. but I'm, I don't think he's I'm, that overrated. I think he had a good game of the weekend. Don't be content that away from game. him. But yeah, let's yeah, not extrapolate well. that into something... You know that it isn't when it comes to that thing we don't talk about. When you think about yeah. the you know the blue capped wonder that is playing for Wales, yeah, and the bloke playing for Scotland as well, and the mulleted wonder who plays for Scotland. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what else have we got? That shit. Uh, Sam Andrew Mar says that shit was Glasgow's discipline. Seven cards in three games, and it's fucking awful. Tell you what, Sam. I'm going to pay Nick Grigg £11.25 to explain to me exactly what's going on with that discipline. Uh, yes, please. Oh, that would be great. Can we just get them to, like, yeah, to, like, explain themselves? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I will not. I've paid you for this, pal. You will do exactly what I fucking asked you to do. £11.25 I've paid you. Come on. No, 15 quid, Nick Grigg is. It's too much. It's too Way much, too much. London, uh, just to say, Worcester made 79 tackles in that game, <laughs> which they lost 20 to 17. I mean, they should have had a lot of energy, a lot of attacking yeah. energy left. Oh, what Premiership rugby has, has reduced the tackle count down to 272, They're which pl- I... What's Creevy done now then? <laughs> oh, let's find out. They have, got, they have got individual stats. Let's have a look. Uh, Creevy, Creevy, Creevy. Oh, uh, he's down to... Oh what they've upped him to fourteen. Oh, this I'd is, see that makes more. This is this some, is oh no! Oh my god! Oh, no, no, this is fucking. No, they've they've upped him to eight. Sorry, they've, upped Dad, him they've reduced eight. him to eight. No, they've nine. reduced him to eight, and they've given him a missed tackle as well. <laughs> that makes it even worse. <laughs> oh, I'm disappointed about that. And they've also dropped. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Blake. Oh, Blake is still on thirty-four. Fair play. One missed tackle. What else we got here? Andy Hunt says, shit, is England weren't that good no matter what the media say? 12 penalties is still terrible and whilst it's an exciting match, it is luck more than anything that won it. I, I think that's... I do that's think, a bit harsh. I think, think that's a little bit strong, Andy. I, I, I slightly disagree with that. Um, I, I see there's, there's something in it, but I'm not sure it's uh, it's as bad as, as that. Moggs Jones says, good is the mish. How the hell did he score that try? Unbelievable. Hang on, we're not on good anymore. We're not on good yet. Sorry, I read the wrong thing out. Either way, still true, Moggs. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Alan McDonald says, shit is the Scottish line-out. Yes. Really bad. Graham Golvin says that shit is Scotland's line-out. Yes. Duncan Yule says, shit is everything else that Scotland did. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of it, it must be said. He did say, yes. Duncan, the good thing that Duncan said is that Scottish props twice taking out Roman Poit. By mistake, in inverted commas. Yes. Reese Knott says, shit, is any fly half who thinks he can clean out a number eight out of a ruck? They wouldn't let an open side kick for touch, would you? It's very true. 
there's also to be like if we could to go back to that the damn bigger clear out which mm. I assume is what he's talking yes. about how is that not a penalty to Wales before he's even committed because the Italian number eight has got both of his hands on the floor <laughs> and therefore it's quite clearly yes. <laughs> off his feet at a ruck but that happens at every single fucking ruck is the ruck considered over at that point? And so I think players are. I think there is an element of you're not materially stopping the ball. You know what I mean? You're not you're not causing yeah, enough yeah. of the blockage, right? Because loads of times they're off the feet or ahead of the ball. But what I'm saying there, what they said is, well, the ball's coming out, so actually there's no realistic chance of them sealing anything off, really. I would hope so. Well, else we got the shit. Here. Ian Gareth says shit is France because they had to get that French performance out of their blood this week, didn't they? And I expect them to be at full industrial wood chipper levels of efficiency for Wales next weekend. Uh, I would probably agree with that. I think France will not be as bad next week as they were in the second half, especially at home. They're a different kettle of fish, but you know, anything could happen. Andy Bradshaw says that shit is the amount that England are missing Sam Underhill. So you know we're talking about that, that when they talk about Tom, Tom Curry's wonderfulness, are they? Mm. Yeah, he's a big He's made not having him has made a massive difference to how England are not really capable of slowing down opposition ball nearly as well as they were before, I think. Katie Watson says shit is missing the Scotland Island match because I nearly cut my finger off. At the time, ow. She said, "But God is missing the Scotland Island match because I nearly cut my finger off." In retrospect, Jesus, Katie, I hope you're okay. I'm guessing you are because you're typing. Yeah, unless you're sort of doing it to talk type. Yeah, don't cut your finger off, everybody. You got any more shits? Nah. Shall we do goods? Have you got any goods? Yeah. Um. Tell you what, Anthony Watson has quietly had quite a good Six Nations and continues to demonstrate well, that he's kind of a point of difference in terms of England's outside backs. He's a classy operator, isn't he? He really is. And as like, noted by the way, he cut inside, then straightened up and caused fucking havoc. And Johnny May cut inside and just didn't. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of unfair and possibly revealing that Johnny May gets all of this hype and credit and ridiculousness when what Johnny May is good at is running in a straight line very fast. Especially when he gets lots of open field opportunities. Whereas Anthony Watson is genuinely the stuff that he can do in traffic and the the havoc that he can wreak in small spaces with a small his finish against Wales, a textbook example of that. Mm. Johnny May tries to run that into the corner and gets put in touch. Anthony Watson didn't just step inside. He stepped inside and had the power and the awareness to actually somehow score that try. I like, what I like about Johnny that. May is he works on stuff that needs fixing. I do you know he's he's better in the air yes. defensively than he was, and he defends. You know what I mean? I do like the fact mm. that he keeps working. But yeah, I see yeah, what same. What have I got that's good? Um, that fucking Will Connors tackle. Oof. That, you know, well, that noise you just made is a noise yeah. I made. The involuntary noise is normally only reserved for attacking play. Yeah. But I probably had the involuntary noise made by that tackle because how the hell yeah. he managed to... What did he... It was like a... It was like a judo thing, but while he was on the floor, he kind of, yeah, he kind of like managed to hip on him from a, like yeah. being on the floor, like a Greco-Roman <laughs> manoeuvre. It was incredible, really. That whole situation where after Scotland did that tap and go where they passed out wide and somehow they didn't score was a fucking 
remarkable bit of scramble defence on the part of that entire Irish Ireland team because how they had two players there who were in a fuck their own fucking postcodes. Yeah. And how that didn't ball didn't go over the line at that point. I just don't understand. It was remarkable defensive work. Fair play. He had a great game all around, actually. Yeah, he did. He's, he's quite something, that player. I see him. Him, Burnham, and... CJ. And CJ as a back row is pretty fucking tasty. Yeah. Somebody made the point on Twitter about the you know our obsession with the metres after contact, effective metres start, and CJ mm. was kind of the king of that at the weekend, I think. Yeah, he was. My other good was Matthew Jalibert's double step in the fucking footprint of a phone box to get around yeah. the chase of the England defence. That was an involuntary noise moment. Yeah. I actually stopped typing and clapped. I went, oh, as <laughs> I was typing, covering the game. Because it was just magic. Absolute yeah. magic. Oh, at one point, I think... Oh, do you know what it was? It was... You remember in the Italy game where um, Wales had that line-out move where Ken Owens took the ball on the loop and then passed inside yes. to Josh Adams. Uh, <laughs> and I just audibly went, hello! <laughs> and then my wife came in a couple of minutes later and was like, were you on the phone a minute ago? And I was like, no, I was just saying hello to Ken Owens doing something exciting. Did she I kind of that. frown and walk out of the room? Yeah, she was like, okay. <laughs> the, um, yeah, well, actually, Josh Allen's had a very good game. He was everywhere. He did. He, yeah. did. he absolutely deserved that second try. <laughs> but, oh, well. Um, yeah, he, he carried hard. He ran hard. He looked a lot better than he did the week before. You got any more goods? Nah. Miles Burley gets in touch. Says, good as the English back row. They had good games and complimented each other. Yeah, all right, mm-hmm. fair enough. Will Gaines says, good, he is beauty, he is grace, he makes defenders fall flat on their face. He is Tyke Furlong. He certainly does. That double step was beautiful. Was filthy, I was sat next it? to my son who laughed his head off watching <laughs> it. And I said, I know that's pretty awful because just because he's big, it's funny that he's able to do that. And surely how are we still finding that so remarkable? And yet it still is remarkable. Yeah, this is the thing. It's like... I don't. I think it's fine to laugh at that thing because the best sort of things in sport are things that make you laugh because you just you can't believe what you've just seen. <laughs> yes. And you know, in some case, it is a you know an extremely large man doing two tight side steps that sh- should not have happened. It would have been unthinkable twenty years ago. Dennis Souter says that God is Stuart Hogg's chin. Yes. And it did hit him on the chin. It is smack bang on the chin. <laughs> it's a beautiful manoeuvre. Yeah. Tim Colton says that good is Big Clive finally got to see some tape of Ollie Lawrence. That was nice, yeah, wasn't he? he finally got to true. have a look at Ollie yeah. Lawrence. Oh, that's great. What other goods have we got here? You've got no more, have you? Nah. Moggs Jones has already said the Mish, which is really good. Dave Pritchard says good is the French backs. Yeah, apart from Vaca Tower most of the time, I would argue. Mm. He wasn't and most good. of them in the second half, let's be honest. Ed Hill says, good is the strength in depth of the Scottish Brack Row now that Scott Steele is a proven test-level blindside flanker. <laughs> that was Fair wonderful, to him. wasn't it? It was great. And it's the and... fact that he was like, he kept standing up and clapping and fucking getting them going. <laughs> and then like fucking packing, come on, lads, and like packing down. He was like, yes, go on. And there was one point at which it did look like the... Um, the open side was actually going to pop out a bit and he did alter his feet and shove him back in. It was like, yes, 
good man yourself, Scott. <laughs> and he's like what, five foot nine? <laughs> Compared to what he was stone. fucking propping against, yeah. he looked about it two stone. So. It was fantastic. More of that in international rugby, please. Uh, what else have we got that's that's good here? Good says Neil Weber says good is Ben Youngs. He overshadowed the once and future player of the year. I don't think he quite overshadowed him, mm. but um, but yeah, he did have that thing where he played well, which means he's in the team for the twenty caps. I know that yeah. much. Even though it was another game where he threw the ball into touch. <laughs> and the other good was Cyril Bai, who did everything brilliantly. Yeah, he was if he'd done a, dr- a grubber kick or two, it would have been a perfect game. <laughs> I like a guy called Cyril as well. Yeah, you don't get enough of that these you days. You don't get do enough you? Cyrils these days no. at all. But I don't think it's good. Simon Payton says the young Osprey prop he made his debut on Friday night definitely made it an old school front row mould. I don't know who that Reece, is. Reese Henry. He yeah. is a big fat lad. Lovely. Uh, but yeah, he's. Is he Avion Lewis Roberts levels of fat lad? He's like, he makes me feel like I could be a professional athlete. But, and yet uh, you can't. It's a shame, yeah, I absolutely can't. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's. Yeah, I mean, he's a big fat lad. There's no getting away from it. Um, he's just back from. He's been injured for quite some time, and I think he's put a a few a few kilos on. Now on Wikipedia it says he's five foot six and thirteen stone, and neither of those things are true. <laughs> 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 when, when was that measurement taken? When he was when in he year, was, year seven. He in year seven. <laughs> uh, I'll see what, what he's actually listed out of the Ospreys. Because whatever it is, I would add about four stone onto that. Um, yeah, 114 kgs, they say. Bullshit. Um, what's 114 kgs in oh, stone? Uh, that's about... Ooh, 16 stone? 69 yeah, stone? <laughs> add, add no, no, hang on. 17 stone, probably, yeah. Yeah, add another two stone on that. But he scrummaged pretty well. He carried hard. He got. He came on after five minutes because uh, of an injury. He was only supposed to come off the bench, and he played really well, and he managed to go the distance. He looked fucking knackered. But, uh, good for him. Yeah, good for him. Gordon McCracken gets in touch and he says, Good is Hogg's tackle midway through the first half where he managed to clatter Sexton into Keegan and take them both out, skittling style. That was fucking great, actually, yeah. That's the point you're... I'm forgetting, you see, Tyke Furlong, uh, Roman Poit falling over and that incident that actually was very funny in that game. I was, I'm, I'm being clouded by my fucking green miasma of Ireland. Yeah, there was, some, there was some great chaotic fun to be had this weekend. Did you see the bit in the Benetton Blues game where the Benetton winger just kicked it directly to Matthew Morgan, who was about ten feet in front of him, and didn't break, <laughs> didn't that. didn't break stride, and just absolutely leathered Matthew Morgan. Like <laughs> it was like it was a chip, but it was a chip directly into a player standing six feet away from him, and he didn't even change his angle or anything; just full on straight tackled him, absolutely leathered him. Um. Yeah, so yeah, he says he's hitting an opposition player with his own teammate. teammates is an innovative defensive tactic and I want to see it employed more. <laughs> they kept replaying it in slow motion from loads of different angles as well. It was wonderful. It was great, wasn't it? Yeah. Catherine Kavanagh says, good is Tiger and his Irish dancing skills. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Tom Osdober says, good was the Wales back row. Fabulous again. Yes. Indeed. Uh, somebody was saying to me on Twitter the other day, I can't remember who it was, that 
George Ford is not an international class fly half. And I don't know why that's just sprung into my mind, but that's wrong, whoever that was. That's just, just unbelievably wrong. Uh, George Ford is a lot of things, but one of those things he definitely is is a test playoff. <laughs> Grant Taylor says, good is the mish. Just when I thought I couldn't love him anymore. Yes. That finish for that try was superhuman level effort. Like, I had no business getting that down. Jack Hurst says, good is the prospect of the France World Cup weekends in the south of France and all the pastries. But shit is trying to get tickets, which apparently Honestly, was a nightmare this morning. Good luck to and if any, if you've got tickets, more power to you because I just gave up. Wasn't it there was like? A, isn't there a website built on like fucking Yahoo groups or something? It certainly <laughs> felt. It certainly felt like that today. <laughs> I gave up after about half an hour. Yeah, now all the cheap shit's gone, isn't it? It's all yeah. you're into the thousand pound a ticket bracket now. Indeed. I think that has got to do was, hasn't it? What a fucking time has. that is. By the Monster. Way. If nothing, if nothing else, people who are angry that they're not going to get the full whack after next week can appreciate this absolutely monster <laughs> ass podcast that we've gone out on. And those people who do want to keep on doing it, you've got this to look forward to oh, every yes. week. Oh yes, I'm running on fucking fumes here. I'm like that Reese Henry <laughs> at the end of a, the Ospreys game. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Thank you, Josh. We'll speak to you all next week. Ta da! So long, guys. Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.